Hello everyone, welcome to Frame Trap, where everything is made up and the rules don't matter. Uh, <laughs> another very special episode, we have Ian Hink at Hi. the end there rounding it out. I managed to get him all the way to Valencia despite horrendous traffic. He's here. <laughs> it took two and, and a half see, hours. It took two and a half hours. <laughs> to get here. He did it for you. For you. He did it for you. And the we viewers. also have another very special guest. First time here, we've got Bloodworth, uh -huh. ready to dish out some hot take impressions on <laughs> video games. Uh, and regular guest, been on every se se uh, episode of Frame Trap, <laughs> Kyle right. Bossman was supposed to be on, but he uh, is doing something in space or something. He's out of town. Um, so we have Huber here instead, and I'm glad you're here nice because you have we the topics... The topics we have today, I don't mean to uh, <laughs> pump up this show before we really get rolling, but this is the most jam-packed episode of Frame Trap that we've ever had. We have so much to talk about. Uh, it's really going to be on me to keep things moving and flowing and making sure. It feels like a special. Through. It does. It does feel like a special. Uh, it's going to be, everything is a, like, there are no soft topics no. this week. There's no Game of Thrones discussion. It's all video games all the time this week, and it's all super exciting, super serious, super fun. Uh, let's get right into it, though. You know how I like to start this show. What have you been playing? Let's get connected with you and your video games. <laughs> Ian Hink, oh. let's get started with you. What have you been playing? At first, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, I tried out Cosmic DJ. It was cute. What, uh, is, what is it? I don't Give know. I got pitch. it for 70 cents on the... Uh, the um, who are the people? <laughs> the Devolver yeah. sale that's happening on Steam. Okay. I was like, 70 cents? Sure. <laughs> it was fun. What it's is a little it music again? sequencing game. Uh, Cosmic DJ. And then I was playing, uh, I bought Blockhood and Parkitect at the same time. Blockhood was, you know, it was alright. I didn't get into it. Parkitect, a lot of fun. Uh, as you saw in the episode of Easy Update, Saturday played uh, Alien vs. Predator Classic 2000 with my, my friend Michael Huber here. Yeah. Uh, that was a trip down memory lane. Ian is a specialist <laughs> with the disc. With the disc. The Predator disc. It's pretty funny that one part we're, we're like getting, because there's a co-op mode where you just continuously get hoarded by yeah. aliens. And I was like, I was like, I'm switching to the disc. And he's like, and he's like, switch to the disc. Do it. We need the disc. And I'm like, I lost the disc. It's like immediate. Like, we just like. I was actually. Uh, well, I like when you both get burned in the fire. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah, I was scrubbing through that episode, and there's a point where I think Huber is dead, and you're like, I'm just gonna go for it. And you're yeah. like jumping, yeah. like frantically running away uh, from the aliens. And I remember that game. I actually played quite a bit of that game back in the day. and So good. It terrified me. It's, it's, it's a, scary a scary game. game. Like, the sound design in that game, if you're playing uh, as the humans, a lot of times you will just hear the sounds of the aliens, mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, yeah. it's the constant it, feeling of being fucked. It really yeah. nails the, the kind of atmosphere of the movie. It's, Definitely. Still like holds up like the, yeah. all the visual filters and stuff. I'm like these are straight out of the movie I'm glad you said alien versus predator 2000 because everything else you've said Classic Ian Hank. I'm just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I I've hardly bounced this off. Of. Architect is pretty cute It's it's like a roller coaster tycoon. It's oh, I think it's in so early good. access there. It's alpha like there are definitely features that need to be added like auto the autocomplete feature for a for a coaster mm -hmm. I was I was one eighth of an inch off with the cart with the with the track Whoa. couldn't couldn't i had to like delete like a whole like section just to get it to fit again it was yeah, one question super quick my biggest problem with roller coaster tycoon i played that all my, oh, my yeah. entire childhood yeah but the biggest problem was when you built a custom roller coaster it would be too intense 
for yeah. the park attendants. They wouldn't go on it because they, they would be scared. It. They wouldn't go on it. Parkitect, can you get as crazy as you want to get? Uh, well, it's very realistic. Like I found, I made a a, a, a coaster, and in two separate places, the the coaster just like. <laughs> hung it like got stopped because it ran out of velocity oh my gosh so i made i made i made a coaster that envelops my entire park like it wraps around the whole place uh it the thing takes like five minutes to ride oh my gosh like. (laughs) the incline is like a minute and a half and then like there's a section toward the end where you're just kind of like trundling along until you get back to the station so um my experience so far has been making really boring roller coasters. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll report back cool. if I ever get... I was I was making one that was pretty intense, but then classic PC, I hit load instead of save. Oh. So it's gone forever. Oh. <laughs> it's gone forever. It had a... I went to the maximum height and then just plummeted straight down yes. into the ground. Yes. It was pretty good. Are you excited at all for the new roller coaster tycoon? Something I didn't like. know they were making one. It looks like trash. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you I should think, be excited. <laughs> I think some of the people on Parkitect may have worked. Don't quote me on this. Mm-hmm. They might have worked on the old ones. Huh. Cool. I'm not sure. That happens all the time. You get these people that, that work on these games that are so influential and so beloved, and then they just go and make a slightly different version yeah. of it. Yeah. I, I feel like we're already doing bad on the rush rush thing. I feel like I just no, it's okay. for a really it's long okay. time. I, I want the audience to know. It's like, settle in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, thought, you thought Frame Trap was... Long and winding. This will be the longest and the windiest. Oh boy! Um, Starting at ten o'clock. Starting at ten o'clock p.m. We might be delusional. I've had like six cups of coffee. We're all gonna die. We haven't even started talking about Persona yet. Trying to ride home. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else you've been playing though? I'm sure I'll think of something, but okay. Feel free to just randomly interrupt me. Oh, I mean Overwatch. You know, I that's one of the things that I've been playing. So let's let's breach that discussion now. Tell me about Overwatch, because Ian, I. I'm not I don't like, like multiplayer shooters. Okay, I was just gonna say that. I'm not trying to typecast I think stupid. you. But that's that's not your kind of game. No. Oh, I played 45 seconds of Paragon. Is it and, as and boring as it seems? Uninstalled it. Uh, it looked. It looks like. I've had it taking you longer to install. Than it did. To... Yeah. When uh, when we were playing Overwatch with Ian and he was talking about it, how he liked it, like three hours later when I was lying in bed, I was like, Ian likes Blizzard. He, he does. likes Blizzard. He does like Blizzard. Blizzard, like, here's yeah. the thing. Blizzard <laughs> makes, even if they're not your style of game, Blizzard, the quality yeah. is just evident. Like, yeah. the, the design is thoughtful. It runs on a lot of machines pretty well, like all their games generally, mm-hmm. traditionally. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I think that WoW is like kind of sparse and like the style isn't really my cup of tea, but it's Keep a 10-year-old game. Yeah, it's, it's so very like, old. Yeah. You know? But like, yeah. uh, I don't know. The Diablos are all just ridiculous. Diablo 3 is a good game! <laughs> so I've been playing... I don't even like games I've like been that playing either. Diablo 3. I've been doing the season character. Oh. And uh, this I'm is going to... I'm PS4, so I don't get to do that. Yeah, it's, it's the best. Anyway, uh, the thing that I wanted to branch this off into Overwatch, as I was playing Diablo 3, I had this revelation where all of your abilities just feel wonderful. Like, I was playing a barbarian, and just the way that you slam the ground or you leap in the air... They just do such an excellent job of, of making you feel powerful, and that carries over to Overwatch, right? And I get so frustrated when people say, oh, I don't want to get Overwatch, it's just a multiplayer shooter, I'm going to get bored. And it's like, okay, you're being reductive in the wrong way because it's such a refined shooter. Like, yeah. every single character 
is viable. And even if you're just a healer, right? Even if you're Mercy, the way I, that character is... I exclusively is, play as Mercy. Yeah, but the way <laughs> that character is designed, you have moments where you feel like a superstar. You have yeah. moments where you revive your whole team and that yeah. carries you to victory, Seriously. right? And so there's never a single character where if you're playing them correctly, you'll have that moment where you're like, wow. Like, so many times I'll try out a character for the first time. And I'll be like, oh, I'm playing this character exclusively now. Because there's just something about them yeah. that sort of uh, attaches me to them. What is it, do you think, about Mercy that I, draws you to her? I'm bad at shooting. Okay. I'm a terrible aim. Yeah. Uh, I can play as D.Va. She's the other character I play. And I played as May. Uh, D.Va's good because she basically just has two big shotguns, kind of. But, like, Mercy's great because... Uh, and I've never played as support role, really, before. I've never really liked it. Uh, it seems like the weird kind of stressful but like in this game it's so intense because you can always see where all your teammates are so like if you die and then you're going back and all your teammates are dying now because their healer's gone so you like are running back and you're really slow as mercy she's very slow you have to like teleport to people to get anywhere but like uh you can watch all your teammates like dying because you're not there and it's just so i, I get like legitimately <laughs> stressed out <laughs> i'm just like no and then if you get there in time, you pop your Q, make them all come back to life, and you're just like, yeah. But also, like, just buffing people, and, like, when people thank you for healing them, oh, yeah. everything about it is just so much fun. Plus, she's cool looking. Um, just and she's German, so I get to practice my German. The, uh, another great thing about Mercy that I think is so cool is it's, Mercy just doesn't heal, right? Like, you have to make a lot of interesting decisions as Mercy. Because you're like, okay, do I... Do I heal the Reinhardt as we charge in? Do I buff like a McCree's damage? Do I actually switch to my gun and do DPS? And like when you decide to switch and do all those things, I think separates a mediocre player from a great player. And it's those kind of decisions, it's that kind of depth that I think is really cool about Overwatch. But the thing that I wanted to ask you is uh, something controversial about Overwatch. It doesn't have a traditional kill death screen. And I think this is one of the most brilliant things in Overwatch because what it does is it says who is fulfilling their role the best. Yeah. So if you've done a lot of healing as Mercy, that'll show up at the end of the yeah. game. Mm. And it it'll be five like... five people up or four it, at the end? Five it, de end? it depends on how many people it actually puts up. But I think it usually puts up four people. Okay. Um, and it'll be like, okay, Torbjorn got a bunch of turret kills. He got like 20 turret kills. That's really yeah. cool. He's fulfilling his role well. Mercy did like 42% of the healing. We're going to honor that. You know, so it's not just... It's encouraging you, it's explicitly telling you, like, hey, this game isn't about just yeah. sitting back and racking up kills. And I think it's a really smart, elegant it's, way to do that. And then people can, like, uh, vote you up. Like, I, there was yeah. a game where I lost, my team lost, um, but I was in the, 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 you know, winner's circle or whatever at the end because I'd done so much healing. And then I got an epic upvote because I was the only person on my team that got on the thing or whatever. Right. It felt like a million bucks. Right. Right. <laughs> they want to make everyone feel good. It's like when they got rid of losses in StarCraft, yeah. they just tell you your wins. You have this many wins. That's mm. it. But do you, think, do, you think it's, do you think it's dumbing it down or watering it down? No. Or do you think it's just kind of distilling the most important information? I think with Overwatch, it's the most important information. Okay. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So Huber, I want to bounce to you really quick. Because you were there with me when we saw Overwatch being unveiled. And we, our hype was through the roof. We were like, this is, this is perfect. Just release the game. It plays beautifully. Yeah. All this stuff. Yeah. Now, two years later, it's finally coming out. Two years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, approximately. Wait, is it two years? Yeah. So it, it, it's not quite two years. But it's it, is, it is closer to two wow. years wow. than you'd think. Um, anyway, back on my train of thought. Uh, 
you know, there's been a lot of beta. So it's been in closed beta forever. Now we're in open beta. You've seen a lot of Overwatch. It's kind yeah. of a known quantity. Has your hype remained consistent? Are you still as excited for that release date as you were before? It, maximum hype. Maximum The entire hype. time. The okay. entire way. Every time a closed beta or open beta, anytime I use a new hero, anytime I play that game, it's just belief. Just, yep. What is, it, what is it do you think that's affirming that belief the most? Like Ian was saying, just how it plays. It plays so well, and like you were saying too, the, the, it's like every Blizzard game. It's on the surface, you can play and, and have a good time, but there's so much depth and nuance to every single char character. The more you dive in, the more you dive in, uh, that it just, I just want to get better and just play more. I just want to hook people with Roadhog. That hook <laughs> I want to just master that. I want to get to a point where I'm just Neo, like looking at the code, just like hook, <laughs> just like have you have you hooked a Pharah yet? Yes, the in the air. out of the air. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, wow. but my favorite, my favorite is hooking a Bastion, like a hunkered down <laughs> Bastion. I'll just turn the corner and be like, come out of that little nook you're in, and then just the team gets him. Oh, it's, the game's so good. Um, I, we're gonna we're gonna move on from Overwatch because there's. There's a lot we're going to say about it, especially when it gets close to release, but I think it's, I think it's safe to say we're all looking forward to it. Uh, Ian, is there anything else you've been playing? Anything you've got to get off your chest? Uh, nothing comes to mind at this moment, so okay. I guess not. Thank you. That was clean. Oh, and I did stream uh, Blade, Blade Runner, Runner, which was yeah. amazing. Oh, so yeah. A lot of people really Runner. enjoyed that stream. Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep streaming that. It's so much fun. People have been buying that game. They, really? Yeah. They, they sent it's worth it. That is such a stuff. good game. Oh, Blade Runner. And it holds up. It still feels kind of future-y. So cool. And like... The clue database is like elaborate. You're like, wow, I really have to solve this mystery myself. Like, it's not gonna hold my hand here. You can just go wherever. You have to follow up on your own like hunches. Yeah. Or Evo show in the uh, chat just telling you where to go. In all caps. I don't, I don't understand that. There are, sometimes I play games and I'm like, okay, no one in chat is gonna be able to help me. And, and, and so there's and always somebody that's like, like, you idiot, I've played yeah. this game 20 times. Yeah. They weren't being aggro about no, it. No, it, no, was, no. it was actually generally pretty helpful. So yeah, a few people good. in chat were getting annoyed, but uh, I was actually like, thanks, I never would have gone back to right. that location if it's you just, hadn't known that. It's crazy that our chat is like, has a knowledgeable, knowledgeable yeah. about Blade Runner. You know, got, this old there are fans of video games. Yeah. Fans of great video games, it sounds like. Daniel Bloodworth. Yeah. I'm excited about this. You have some some big games that you've been playing that I'm really Right. Uh, well, I'm <laughs> on week three of my Link's Awakening playthrough. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if I played that game for 15, 16 years, something like that. Uh, and it's, so it's interesting because it's like, like, uh, like you were saying, like I remember a lot of stuff, but then there are other things that are like really basic and obvious that like, I just don't remember and because I'm on the stream like not taking as much time to like you know in, in those kind of games like I you, you tend to be like oh I got a new item let me go over the entire map again and see where else I can use it and I've been a little bit more like toe the line to like you know I wander a little bit but then somehow I like I just end up in the next place I'm supposed to be and so I, I completely uh, went like way too long without picking up the ocarina and then I got like it's like, oh, I'm supposed to learn a song here. I don't have the ocarina yet. Where is that? It's like, I should have had that by now, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they're like, oh, yeah, it's back in the town. I was like, oh. oh, okay. So, yeah, as soon as I got the bracelet and I could pick up those rocks, I could have gone there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think I played uh, Link's Awakening last year, and mm -hmm. I hadn't played it for, like, five or six years before that. And just, it, I think Link's Awakening specifically, and even Link to the Past, show you 
I'm not going to say evolved, but how much game design has changed. Right. Because so many times I feel like now in, in adventure games or action games, you know, when you get a new item, they they give you specific circumstances under which to use that item. And they're like, okay, this item will be used in this instance only. And so you kind of get like this binary effect of presented with this, use this. And that's not the way Zelda is. Like there are just... Like, the magic powder, I think, is a good example. Right. There's just some crazy shit you could do with that that you you have to take a, a different mindset where, you know, you can use these items and go places. Like, you might get an item for an area that was, like, six hours ago that you went through. And, and, and unless you manually go back and experiment a little bit, you won't uncover that stuff. Yeah, well, was, or, or the other way around, because there's, like, this, this spot where, like, there's a jump where... It was designed to use the hook shot. And like, well, I can do this with the the boots and the feather, right? I can just jump over. And I'm like, no, 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 you have to come back later. And then like two seconds later, I actually got the jump. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to, but I managed to do it. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's just funny. Oh, and then the other funny thing is I'm playing on the, the original cartridge, yeah. the Game Boy cartridge. Whoa. And so, so many people have played DX. Like, they're trying to tell me to go to things that aren't there in the original game. Right. It's like, Yo, wait, you're going to skip that scene. I'm like, what What? What are you even talking about? And like, I go to where they tell me, it's like, it's like, and then somebody will correct them. It's like, no, 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 that was only in the DX version. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's been fun uh, going back through that. I probably have like one or two more sessions uh, and I'll have that wrapped up. You really blown through that game. Yeah, it goes by quicker than you yeah. remember. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of the consequence of, you know, in a way like, because of like this perception of value that we have now, like you know, Super Metroid came out now, and like everybody's like, it's only five hours. Yeah. You know, like I really, it's <laughs> it's a hard situation that we're in nowadays. That's definitely challenging. Five hours though, if you've never done it before. Right. Perfect five hours. Uh, yeah. Oh god. And then um, I've started. I've just barely like put like three or so hours into uh, Banner Saga Two, which I want to get a review out for. Excellent. Cool. Uh, and, and yeah, it's good. Well, one, one of the situations, like you were saying, with save files, um, when I moved everything to my current PC, apparently, like, there was some folder that I missed. And so I don't have my Banner Saga 1 okay. save file. And it's not synced to Steam Cloud. Uh -huh. And so I just had to, like, watch the endings on YouTube and, like, which one of these did I pick? <laughs> so I could, like, pick that path on the, yeah. the second game oh, when I started. Oh, it lets you put it in? Yeah. Oh, that's good. But uh, that was a little bummer, though, because I don't know if there's other decisions that I made that would have played into that, or like character levels or something like that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's been good. Uh, I haven't seen anything that's been super different from the first game yet, except for, uh, I guess, like now there's like obstacles on the battlefields. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is one part that I just did where you have the option of, you know, you're, you're on the run and you're trying to like buy time um, for a wizard to, to make a bridge, basically. And, uh, and you, you have this option, it's like, well, uh, do you use your food barrels to block the enemy? And, uh, and, and, and so now I'm out of food again, <laughs> like I was in the first game. But you know, I, I put them up there and, then, and it worked really well because I had this, you know, this group of barrels over here and there's this great mechanic with the shield, uh, shield bearers where you can like pop them in and, and they can just hunker down and they just deflect any damage. They just stop that gap completely. And so enemies would come up to that shield bearer and then I could get a, a spear guy behind him to like attack through him. Mm -hmm. And so I could just completely manage that side of the battle while I had the other, you know, the higher uh, 
you know, more, more stuff going on over here that was more versatile and, and like bigger guys and brutes and stuff. But that choice that you made, you know, now, now you're out of food, uh, I, man, I love it when strategy games do things like that, but how immediately consequential is that? I mean, is it just like, oh no, like in, a, in a, an hour or so, my entire army's gonna be wiped out, or do you have a little bit more time to work with? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to see, honestly, because that was like the last sequence that I did, so I'll have to see if I get more food. Um, you know, but it was just like this series of events where it's just like, uh, you know, like save people or save food, save people or save food, or like just, but it, I didn't have a really good track of how much food I had left. And so it's like, oh, now I have no food. That's not good. Oh, Sunless Sea. Right. <laughs> I've also been playing Sunless oh, yeah. Sea. All the talk about running out of food. I'm out of food right now. But, uh, yeah. but then, yeah, so it's just like this, like you just keep making these decisions, you know, like if you played... Uh, FTL or Oregon Trail, you know, like those yeah. kinds of things where like these decisions come up on you and like you try to make the right decision and like it seems like every time, you know, that was wrong, that, that was wrong, that's the thing with that was games. wrong. Yeah, I think there are no right decisions, <laughs> <laughs> it's just you're screwed. The, the question I have for you, Bloodworth, and I'm, I'm so mad at myself that I never played through the original Banner Saga because it seems like it'd be right up my alley, is there was a time not that long ago, I would say, you know, at the beginning or in the middle of the 360 PS3 era, I was like, where the hell are the strategy games? Mm -hmm. You know, just, there just weren't that many. Uh, even on PC, there were not that many strategy games to play. You get a, a couple a year. And now I feel like every time I go on Steam, with, with early access, with Kickstarter, with sort of the indie boom and all of this stuff, like, I've got a zillion 40 to 50 hour strategy games to play. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel so overwhelmed that every time I, I go and I think of playing one, I just kind of get paralyzed and I end up playing nothing. Uh, do you think the Banner Saga 2 kind of presents enough for, for someone like me who has a lot of things to, to pick through right now? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think it's a game that very greatly benefits from its, its art style and, and, and the craft, you know, from everything from the... Uh, the cutscenes to the animation to the music, like it really like pulls you into that, and, and, and it has a feel that's not like other games. Whereas I think strategy games very typically, you know, have this trap of one, you know, B tier strategy game feels like every other B tier strategy game. Absolutely. You know, so it's like unless you're playing like one of those top AAA strategy games that everybody's playing. You know, it, it's they sort of feel interchangeable, whereas this game doesn't. And I think the like sort of Oregon Trail aspect helps it, that as well. Towards like when you're on the road and you're, you see your caravan going across the landscape, and they're tiny, and these little birds pop up, and you know, it's just it's just a very beautiful experience. Really selling me with the Oregon Trail <laughs> comparison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Blood is doing an excellent job pitching this game. This is great. Um, Didn't you do a backtrack on? Uh yeah, I did one? actually. Yeah. Yeah. Great. The first one is incredible music. Yeah, and, and Austin is actually like he still thinks it's like one of the the cooler things that people have done on his work. So that's like a good cool. <laughs> a little ego boost for me as well. <laughs> we gotta we gotta make a uh, backtrack stretch goal. But uh, Bloodworth, not to cut you off with Banner Saga, mm -hmm. but there's another game that you've been playing that I think we all have a lot of words to say. About. Yeah, well, it's just a demo, but I think I, I put more into it than so many games. It's yeah, the Neo, it's not Neo just demo. a demo. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised that I seem to be the only one of us that's that's completed it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I put eight to ten hours into that, you know, and that's and that's partly because you know, like it probably you could you pro certainly get through it faster than that. But it's just the kind of thing where like I want I want to play around with this combat, you know, mm -hmm. I want to mess with this guy and Wait, mess with eight that guy. Hours, you said? Yeah. Wow. 
uh, and uh, you know, and, and look at all the crannies and see like how the shortcuts and the backtracks are designed and, and stuff like that. Backtracks. And, and find the little uh, <laughs> uh -huh. the Kodama guys, which are great because it's such like a dark and gritty game. Yeah. To like have those little guys in there uh, uh, for the shrines, it's it's just great. It's a nice relief. So when we all saw Neo, right, mm -hmm. when we saw that initial trailer, like, oh, this looks great. It looks like Feudal Japan Dark Souls, right? And that was kind of the, everybody was saying that thing about it. Um, but I think what's so fascinating about Neo and why I think it really will be an excellent game is it's, it's not. It's not just that. And you said a phrase that I think is extremely important. You said you wanted to play around with the combat. Yeah. Um, and kind of two relatively recent Souls-like games, uh, Lords of the Fallen and Salt and Sanctuary, I think they're, they're both good, but uh, when I was playing those games, I kind of felt like I saw it all very quickly. It was like, okay, this is the limit of the combat. This is how they're styling themselves. It is almost identical to the Souls series, whereas Neo, it has sort of that methodical feel to it, but there's so much to it, right? The layers that it adds, the stances, how your stamina runs out, how you can recover your stamina at the right moment, how vulnerable you are once your stamina runs out. There are so many things layered on, earning new skills, which adds to your combos. Like, it is not just transplanting the Soul Series combat. It's sort of taking that rough base and making something that feels really, really different. I love the pace of it, too. Yeah. The pace felt like Onimusha. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, Onimusha Souls, and comparing it to that just because, like, Feudal Japan... But playing it felt like it felt like I was running around in Animusha, but yeah, obviously. Uh, I also really, really appreciate just how different the two levels they gave are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I never saw that one. What did it look like? The other one, it's it's kind of a it's kind of like a shrine garden kind of thing, like a lot of. Is it know, daytime or nighttime? It's still it's nighttime, but it's raining. Um, and there, there are trees that you can like walk up and across and, and jump over to other. Cool. And, and, and it's like a, there's like islands and there's water that you can walk through and there's sort of some, you know, tricks to that to where you know you, you can find different paths to get around some enemies and all of that. Uh, there's also these and again the, like the enemy design. It's it's based off of uh, Japanese folklore like Okami. As a lot right. of it reminds of Okami. Um, but like just those things coming to life, and there are these little like little cyclops children-looking things, to where you'll you'll try to hit them, but they'll move just out of the way, and then even if you're guarding, they'll like grab some of uh, I don't know what it, what I figure what it's called the souls out of you, and once they Amrita or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. they take their tongue and like get your Amrita you. and leech leech some of that, and when they have enough. They transform into this big, honking, muscular thing cool. with like yeah. stone fists. Oh man! Yeah, and it's. I'm sad I missed that. Yeah, it's super, super cool. Uh, but yeah, again, like just playing around with the different weapons, figuring out which ones you like. The fact that there's, you know, like the drops can be a bit much. Like you're just picking up so many things. That's my it, one criticism with the, the game. But once you like, every once in a while, you will get something that's like, oh, this is really cool drop with yeah. like an elemental effect on it, you know, a lightning sword or earth hammer or something. And it really, you know, it, it makes you look for those things more. And I, I think a lot of people miss too that, you know, when you trade in uh, your extra weapons and stuff at the shrine, yeah. there are actually a lot of options in the menu to where you can pretty much like do a lot of that fast in bulk. Yeah, but so I've, I've been thinking about that system and I, I like that 
all the loot you get, you can turn into something, right? You can either just equip it if it's better, or you can trade it in. And you can do it very quickly. Like, you can select things in bulk, uh, just like you said. But it still feels a little bit redundant, mm -hmm. I guess, because you're getting so many items. Yeah. Like, you're getting, you do get rewarded for trading that stuff in, but the, re the rewards are relatively minor. I mean, they, they're, they are useful, for sure. But it, I just wonder if maybe the game would be a little bit better, a little bit smoother, a little bit faster if they just cut down on that a little bit yeah. and every drop you got mattered just a little bit more. Because what I think they do do an excellent job of is the resources you get, right? So your bow and arrow is extremely powerful. You can do a ton of damage from super far away. You yeah. can zoom in and get headshots, but arrows are extremely hard to come by. Like if you're out, you're just out. Yeah, and but in, unless you're trading in, that's the thing. Right. Like it's, trading in, like, I would get, you know, filled up on elixirs and water and right. arrows and everything. So, you know, even the, uh, uh, the the whetstones, which is kind of one of the things I noticed, like, with some of those rare weapons, they would, you know, they would uh, wear down faster. Right. So you'd have to use more, more, more whetstones and things to repair them. Um, but again, if you just, like, trade in all your junk, then, you know, you could fill up on those supplies. Uh the, the level design in Neo is, is another thing that I want to talk about because there was an instance where... They, so the yokai are kind of these big demons that you fight and they're much tougher than the normal human enemies. And there would be a moment where I would kind of run through this, this small village and there would be a human soldier and a yokai. And fighting multiple enemies in Neo is extremely difficult. You yeah. are not super well equipped, regardless of the weapon you're using, to cleave through multiple enemies very easily. But what I noticed after like three attempts of dying is if I looked around very carefully, there was actually this small little alcove where I could actually go and take out the human soldier first right. and then fight the yokai. And I actually encountered probably five or six instances of that in the Neo demo where they, they really do give you multiple options of approaching a situation and some are better than others and really experimenting and trying and thinking your way through situations rewards you super greatly. And that's the kind of feeling that is just so immensely satisfying to me. I, 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 did, I did have one spot though where uh, uh, there's like a, a chest in a dead end. And as, as soon as you open that chest, then two ninja come <laughs> up behind you. And I think that their stats are like times 1.5 speed or something. Cause I, I didn't have that much problem with the other ninjas. But these two guys are just like wasted me. The yeah. two of them together. Like I can't run away from you. I can't seem to get one of you <laughs> away from the other one. And I just and but what was interesting about it too is I, I tried to go back there later, and then it seemed without the chest opening, um, like it, it doesn't trigger them. So like you only have like that small window of opportunity to kill them. Uh, but the other thing about the uh, the yokai that I, I found interesting is, you know, kind of like um, like a Souls game when you go to a shrine. The enemies respawn, right? But with with those, they don't. Yes. So it's that's kind of part of the strategy. Is like, okay, clear out those big guys and and work your way kind of methodically through there. And what's what's so cool about the yokai is they don't respawn, which is in your advantage. But they don't have the same weaknesses as normal enemies, right? Because a big thing that you can do in Neo is you can see the enemy stamina bar, yeah. and you can use that information to play into your strategy. So when they're out of stamina, they will pan, they will give you a huge tell, and you can go up and do an execution move and take advantage of that. But with Yokai, you can't. And so I I, I love that trade-off. I love you. 
it's very, very difficult in that game to approach every situation the same way. And I think yeah. that's yeah, even the uh, the combos that have longer animations tend to not work very well on them. Uh, no, yep, they'll get you mid animation. Definitely. Um, and then the second the second boss, which I know you guys didn't get to, but it was yeah. it was great. Um, it was called uh, Nue, and it was basically like a it's a chimera. It was like uh, I think like a lion body with like a monkey face and like snake tail kind of thing going oh, man, on. Oh that's sick. And it like no. and it and it, it, it it's uh, it's like a lightning god, and so it calls down lightning and charges itself up, and then it'll shake its fur, and then like just lightning will just start striking down, following you. And if you're not paying attention and you don't see that tail, you're just dead. <laughs> Two lightning strikes, you're dead. Um, and and it's and like real life. yeah, and the uh, and the arena is a lot of destructible uh, like shrines and stuff in there too. So you have to really pay attention to how you're moving around, how you're positioning, uh, and and really learn his attacks, learn when you can get it. Because if you if you do, if you play it right, if you hit the him at the right moments, uh, you could actually like knock the lightning out of him uh, and do extra damage, and then he'd have to you know find time to recharge and bring down more lightning. Uh, so it's a pretty pretty cool boss fight to end it all off. I I'm so just you describing. I'm so mad I didn't get there. But what's what's crazy to me is had I not known it, I never would have guessed this game was made by Team Ninja. I mean, there are definitely you can see some Team Ninja ness about it, but that studio just hasn't really impressed me for the longest time. Right. Uh, you know, Ninja Gaiden Three was not my jam. Yaiba was certainly not my jam. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just a lot of things that they've been doing sort of on the action game front that's been really unimpressive. Metroid Other M. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like Dead or Alive 5, but uh, this this seems like on a different level. Like, I remember playing Ninja Gaiden on the original Xbox for the first time, mm -hmm. and I was like, this isn't just an action game. This is really thinking about the entire genre and refining it and presenting it in a new light. And I'm not saying, like, maybe this is quite on that level, but I'm kind of getting the same vibe. It's, it's taking a look at something and really playing around with it in an exciting way that I think is super cool. Huber, you, you haven't spoken up much. I know you played the Neo demo. Is there anything else you have to say? You nailed it. Just about approaching things differently. Yeah. Um, I think they do, they're on the way of doing it better than even Dark Souls does. Absolutely. Dark Souls, you find your, your weapon, you find your moves and combos, and you just kind of go in there, you know? There's a couple times when you have to kite enemies and, and whatnot and, right. you know, range maybe, find like a little perch and pick people off, but Neo is just... There was something you said, uh, wow. we were talking about Dark Souls 3 before the, the podcast, mm -hmm. and you said, you know, I loved it, but I definitely found that rhythm. You know, I'm yeah. used to these games, I'm used to getting through them, yeah. and I think maybe the single most exciting thing about Neo is like... There was like there are moments in that demo where I just felt terrified. Like I was yeah. just looking at an enemy, I would be scared because I didn't have that safety net. Yeah. Right? Like it punishes you so severely that it's it's kind of like playing Demon Souls for mm -hmm. the first time. Mm -hmm. Where totally. where every single fight is a struggle. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Oh, one one other thing I just thought of that uh, I appreciate as well is it, it does kind of like uh, um, kind of like a Dynasty Warriors type of thing where like you can like unleash the beast, you know, mm -hmm. your, your guardian spirit. But even that, like, it's not as overpowered as you think it's going to be. Right. If you go in there without any kind of thought or strategy, an enemy will just hit you and knock the power out of you. Right. Which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, again, like these, these layers that it adds, you really, you can't just pop something, like you said, and just go nuts. It's like, if you mess up that 
that that unleashing of the spirit during like a boss fight, for example. You have to kill it. twelve more enemies. Exactly. To get back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's ah. The margin of error is like non-existent. You right. cannot make a mistake. Right. Dark Souls, you can recover so well with you know take a couple chugs or yeah, kind of roll away a bunch and yep. kind of reset everything. Oh yeah, guys will, guys will chase you. Yeah, they'll chase sure. you. They will down. chase you. They will not stop will chasing not you. Stop. They don't yeah. unleash from you. They will like if you aggro a guy in the beginning of the level and you make it all the way to the end of the level, that motherfucker is on your ass the entire time, and they are as fast as you are in a lot of senses, especially the okay. Um, not to not to move us along, but we have we have so much to talk about. Neo is amazing. Definitely a game to watch. I. I am so thrilled that that game is as exciting as it is. Uh, but Michael Huber. Yeah. Tons of games. My friend. I'm going to go fast. My lover, my confidant. What have you been playing? <laughs> Played uh, Resident Evil 6. We finished that on stream. Uh, Let's not talk about Resident Evil 6. Not talking about it, no. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 2 to watch the taste out. Did a full playthrough. You did it on stream? On stream, yeah. Oh, I missed uh, it. I'm going to so come back ago. and watch that. Okay. Yeah, that was a couple weekends ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, severed. Oh, yeah, we got yes! Oh my god, I've, won, I've wanted to play this game so badly. Give me the Severed pitch. Severed, it is so crazy how powerful and intimate such a simple story can be. You wake up immediately and this like weird demon is like, you must save your family. And I'm so invested. Yeah. Immediately, but, but other games can do that and I'm not. It's just... The way it's paced and the, the art style and the music and everything about it, it just felt like I was entering this world. And that's kind of what it is, too. You know, she's kind of entering this world. Right. And I'm on that journey with her. And Wow. Uh, Guacamelee had that same quality, also by Dreamcast yeah. Studios, where, you know, you are, you are chasing after your, your lover, right? Yeah. You're like, you're, that's kind of your primary motivation. And that's been done a zillion times in video games. Mm -hmm. But the way they present it, the yeah. way they set it up, the art style, exactly. the emotion that they imbue the characters with really yeah. draws you in. It yeah. sounds like this is the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so it's like Etrian Odyssey style, like grid dungeon crawler. Done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then encounters are, the combat is really cool. Because you, you swipe enemies. And every enemy has like different ways to kill it. Like there'll be this, there'll be a there'll be a monster where it can block from like here and here and it'll constantly shift around. Mm -hmm. oh, so you have neat. to like change the way uh, you have to attack it. And then there's another guy that has like a like a you can only attack his arm, but he'll like defend it a lot. Cool. Um, and then longer strikes do more damage. So you can kind of just Nick at something, but it's not really. It doesn't really do as much as if you, you know, really take your time and swipe at him. Does so, that get tiresome? Uh, you definitely can't play in bed. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> were you, were you like laying next to your girlfriend? Yeah, and just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, sorry. I had to, like, to wake you up. I had to sit up. I was like, okay, I gotta get in this. Yeah. Uh, and then multiple enemies will start attacking, so you can be attacked from four different sides, mm -hmm. and you have to move around because every you'll see when they're about to attack. And to, to you, you have to parry it. Oh, so yeah. an enemy will wind up for an attack, and then you can parry it away and get some extra damage in. So you're constantly shifting planes or whatever, you know. How do you shift? With the D-pad? The D-pad, yeah. Oh. So mm -hmm. D-pad and swiping. It sounds like they do an excellent, excellent job of really keeping you on your toes. The oh, yeah. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so then you get your severed, like, super move. Mm -hmm. When you do enough damage, in each attack and don't get hit so you charge that up and then when you kill something in that state uh it'll slow down and you'll have time to like 
cut their limbs off, and that'll give you resources to level up. That sounds badass. So it's really, oh. it's super, super important and pretty hard to get. So I liked how meaningful that, those resources were. Um, and then of course you can level up where you have like more time in that phase, but like right in the beginning, you'll have a chance to sever something and you have like half a second. It's like, oh, you know, you don't, you don't get all the resources. Right. So it's, it's pretty intense. And then um, I got like five hours in, four or five hours in, so pretty deep. Um, just dungeon caller, kind of like. It, does it feel like a, a long game? I or? don't think it's going to be long because okay. the level up attribute thing, after four or five hours, I was like really deep into it, gotcha. you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so it seems probably probably less than ten hours. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. uh, great game though. Great game. It's too. It's it's so cool that the mm -hmm. game is taking advantage of the Vita hardware in a really yeah. neat way, and a lot of the developers haven't, especially mm -hmm. like non-first party developers. But at the same time, you know, the Vita is at such a state where we're lucky to get like Anything. A, a Vita game, yeah. you know, every two or three months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so and it's that's not a port. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's it's such a bummer that this is this really rad game that seems extremely well made that you yeah. are doing a great job of selling, like, is probably not speaking to the largest audience. Do you, you think know? it'll come out on phones or iPads? I don't could you know. do it on PS4? Do you think with the with touchpad? The, yeah, with the touchpad, maybe you could. It's just weird because you're trying to cut very specific. Yeah, it's pretty. Like I can see it being on a phone if you just put a little D-pad in the corner or yeah. something. Hmm. I don't know what the the deal is or with Sony. Or if you tilt the phone or something. I mean, yeah. I assume Sony has at least a period of like mm -hmm. a holdout period. Yeah. Besides Sever, what has been keeping you busy? Severed off. Finished Dark Souls three. I know that's, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to have a lengthy conversation, but give well, yeah, me I, say, I yeah. didn't mention that because I thought it just went without saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a, a non-spoiler brief summation of your feelings on Dark Souls 3. It's a lot to ask, oh, I know. Non-hyperbole, objectively, yeah. my favorite Souls game. I, hmm. I totally see that. Including yeah. Bloodborne? Including Bloodborne, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting because I've yeah. been hearing a lot of not that, like a lot of people have... A lot of people have come out and well. said that to they me, prefer Bloodborne, but I, I, I honestly think I prefer. To Persons me, as well. the design makes Bloodborne look so linear and it so does. basic. Yeah, like Bloodborne looks basic objectively when you compare it to Dark Souls 3 level design. It is mind blowing what they have done. The the options that you have in Dark Souls 3, mm -hmm. I feel like are. They, they nailed it in a way yeah. that they didn't with Dark Souls 2, that they didn't with Bloodborne. Like, you. Everything you do except sorceries <laughs> feel really good. And Which is cool because I never used. You any never. You magic. hate magic, yeah. so this is like uh, your game. My intelligence was like six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could, you would like pump that down to one yeah. and use those yeah. points on strength. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can if you use pale tongues. Oh, Ooh. I never did that. Cool. Pale tongues. I love the pale tongues. Get rid of that intelligence. Pale <laughs> yeah. So you like Dark Souls three? There will be more uh, brief advertisement. Yeah. We're going to be shooting. A very long conversation about Dark Souls 3 next week, so look forward to that. We are? And then, we uh, are. Mm -hmm. uh, Promises have been made! Lastly, just more Garden Warfare 2. Garden Warfare 2, the Garden game Warfare keeps on giving. I just keep playing it. Yeah. It's my game. It's, it's my game this year. Warfare. I love it. The game it's is so, so easy to write off. It's it, so delightful. And it's, oh my gosh. There's so much there. There's too. so much there, and it's just... Wait, did you just say it was your game of the year above Dark Souls 3? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm just saying it's my game that I just keep playing. I keep oh, coming oh, back to oh, it, yeah. you know? It's the kind of game that it just, 
every single time you hop in, you feel good. Yes. Right? Yeah. Even if you're just running around, mm -hmm. looking at the environments, like it's so, everything is so well done. It they, just has such a personality to it. Yeah, they added the backyard battle, which is like a single player thing. Yeah. So there's this huge open world space that you can explore as either the zombies or the plants. And then each side has a full-on campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you beat that, some really cool stuff happens. I'm not gonna give it away, but it's Whoa. super cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Dark and then there's 4. like, the, and then of course there's the full-on multiplayer. Yeah, so. it's just a great game. You know, I've pretty much just been playing single-player with the game. I haven't mm -hmm. dug too deep into the multiplayer, and it's crazy to me that like that's been enough for me. Yeah, you know, I've just enjoyed going through the missions and unlocking new stuff and kind of expanding mm -hmm. the map that. Like that's enough. Like yeah. it's, I, I, that overworld is yeah. so well done. It feels kind of like an old school overworld where you know you you slowly collect resources and you'll be like, oh, I, I want to unlock this thing or yeah. I want to do this, um, and that just that just doesn't happen very often anymore. That's crazy. I didn't know that game had a campaign at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was only multiplayer. Yeah. I feel like they do a really poor job of selling those games. Yeah, they kind of just uh, you know because my my There's like interpretation here. before it came out, I was like, oh, okay, it's just a little little more. Yeah, but it's yeah. way more. Yeah. It's way more. It's super well done. Uh, gentlemen, 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 we are moving on to something I am extremely thrilled about. I wish I had a seatbelt so I could just put, <laughs> click the seatbelt and, and, and get ready to go. We're going to be talking uh, about Persona 5, but this isn't just oh us. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, buckle up. This isn't just us gushing about it. This isn't just us going uh, over the latest trailer. I have some questions for you all. There are things I want to gauge your thoughts on because... I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot to say. It's an interesting time for JRPGs, and I think that's what I want to lead off with. So Persona 5, uh, for those of you who are unaware, they just announced the uh, September 16th... Was it 15th? 15th. So 15th, thank you. September 15th, 2016, Japanese release date. Um, but they have not announced a Western date. And Final Fantasy XV is coming out on the 30th, approximately two weeks later. So I'm going to open with that, right? Uh, everything we've seen about Persona 5 has been fantastic. I don't need to sell you on that. If you don't believe me, go watch those trailers. Those trailers are unreal. Every really single time that game shows itself, it's like, wow. Wow. This is not just Persona 4 again. This is not just some iteration. There is some crazy things happening in every single trailer. But Final Fantasy XV has really been impressing people too, right? So we had that Uncovered event where they showed the giant titan, the flying car, this huge, gorgeous world, these beautiful towns. Do you think that the Japanese release date and Final Fantasy XV coming out September 30th, do you think this is a big deal? Do you think there is a conflict here? Do you think one of them will suffer? I don't think either of them will suffer, but I think... Persona definitely wanted to get out ahead. Because it's, I, I feel like it's kind of a, I don't know how big Persona is in Japan. I assume it's super big. But on like a world scale, yeah, it's like a David and Goliath kind of, yo, we're <laughs> Final Fantasy. We are one of the biggest franchises in all of franchises. So I think Persona getting out ahead was a big, smart move. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's why they picked the date that they did to get out ahead? Do you think that was a, a conscious decision? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So that gives people 15 days in Japan yeah. to beat it before 
Final Fantasy. Yeah, which they wouldn't probably. Not even beat it though, just buy it. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not trying to assert my own fandom here, but I just want to give you a hypothetical situation because I think it's an interesting point of discussion. Let's say Persona Five comes out and it gets extremely high scores. Like let's say it gets a lot of tens, a lot of five out of fives, a lot of nines, whatever it gets. You know, just the Metacritic is as hard green as it gets. Okay. Uh, and then Final Fantasy XV comes out, and it reviews well, but it doesn't review quite as well. Do you like think the yellow eights, not yeah, eights and nines, let's okay. say. Yeah. Uh, again, Which I'm not saying is, this I think is that's going probably to probably a likely scenario. Right, but that's it's it's not guess. impossible to see. Right, you can envision yeah. that scenario. Right. Do you think that's a big deal? Do you think the tide will shift? Do you think there will kind of be a new reigning champ of JRPGs, or is that saying too no, much? I, I think there. I think the Venn diagrams of radars. Uh, that these games are on mm-hmm. overlap, but not in a way that Metacritic score will impact that. Like people who have people who have never heard of Persona Five are going to continue having never heard yes. of Persona Five. Yes. <laughs> like, and, and you know, regardless of how well it performs, yeah. score wise, you know, it could get tens, and I think it could be, be a like, perfect huh? game, and people would be like, Persona, what? I don't know. I feel like Persona has kind of built on itself on word of mouth for the oh, most absolutely. part. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Like it just it keeps doing, and, and so I, I think it could, yeah, I, I think it could be like one of those things where you know, where Demon Souls, for instance, had that cult following, right? But then when Dark Souls came out, everybody was talking about it, and it's got you know huge. Uh, so I, I think it, I think it is possible. I think especially it's possible for. Um, people that just aren't as into uh, where 15 is going in terms of the combat, you know, like more older Final Fantasy fans may find Persona combat more, more appealing. Turn-based? Yeah. Because, um, you know. Persona 5 combat looks a little action, more action even for. No stealth But it's still turn-based. Yeah. It's still turn-based. It's still right? turn-based, yeah. but they're... It is not just the typical Persona 3, Persona 4 combat. There mm-hmm. definitely seems to be some some interesting mechanics. It almost looks like it has a Final Fantasy X like swapping mechanic yeah. where you have access to all of your party members, but you can switch between them. It definitely seems much faster. Oh, it looks like you can move out. around. Yeah. It, I, I, I'm hesitant to, to say too much because I know nothing for sure, but uh, Bloodworth, to kind of speak to your point, uh, not all that long ago, right, Persona... I would say it was kind of a niche game, but if you look at the, the latest Persona 5 trailer, right, this is the fourth trailer for this game. It's been up for approximately 24 hours at the time of this recording. It has almost a million views. Mm. Yeah. For, for an Atlas game, That's for big. a turn-based anime JRPG, like, if you think about the growth and popularity, right, I think Persona 3 was the breakthrough, but then it got 10 times more popular with Persona 4. And what was crazy about Persona 4, right, is that game came out in 2008, but it doesn't yeah. feel like it. Golden. Because I, I think her, Persona 4 Golden. Golden and Golden. Edge. But I think Golden was only huge because that word of mouth, mm-hmm. it just didn't end. Like, yeah. the, the people that became nuts about Persona multiplied in a really crazy fashion, right? Like, you played Persona 4 like a year or two ago. You yeah. played Persona 4 I, a couple of years I ago. I still yeah. feel, like, I still miss it. Yeah. I played it on normal difficulty, and I don't have as much time now as I did when I was playing Sukoden and all those, but like, oh man, I feel guilty that I haven't finished it yet because I want to. I, they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I want to talk about that sort of intimate feeling that you got with Persona 4 because, you know, when you, all of you played that game, Sublimus, I don't think you've played Persona No, 4. I, I, I am in a terrible position where I pre-ordered that game. Oh, no. And oh, no. it still sat there. Hasn't oh, been opened. We gotta, we gotta do a serious blood test. <laughs> Five redemption. Uh, but I mean, honestly, what kept me uh, so fascinated and obsessed with Final Fantasy to this day is, you know, when I think about the cast of Final Fantasy IV, when I think about the cast of Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IX, the good ones, uh, you know, tactics. I, I felt like those characters were a part of my life. And I know that's a cheesy thing to say. I'm probably being overly emotional, but like I cared about them. I was invested with them. And not very many video games are good at doing that. Yeah. There are a lot of video games that I've played where I can't remember the names of most of the characters. Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I really like Binary Domain, not to pick yeah. on this weirdly. I, I remember that story very well, but yeah. can you tell me the names no. of all the characters? Yeah. Beat the game, don't remember. Yeah, and you, you like that game too. Love the game. But I can tell you, I've, I've played Persona 4 twice, okay? Yeah. I've played through a 70-hour game twice. Yeah. That speaks volumes, yeah. A, about the quality of the game. And, and number two, right, uh, I remember everyone. Mm -hmm. I remember all of their little beats. I remember all of the social links. I remember how I felt at every single step of the way. Absolutely. And that matters. And I think that's where this word of mouth is coming from. Do you think Final Fantasy... 15 will be capable of, of replicating something like that. I'm optimistic about 15 more than, uh, way more than I was with uh, the 13 trilogy. Sure. Because it looks like they're trying to do that. The bond of the four main characters seems like it is the, the focal point and the center of the game. Uh, it is about, you know, it seems like a human story mm. and a character story rather than like, Let's go stop the bad guys from taking over the world. Like it seems like they are the focus. It Definitely. seems like it's really going to lean on like the father son thing. And the father son, yeah, totally. Because the demo was like almost exclusively about that. Uh, one thing I will say, just you know, from the, the demo that I played of Fifteen and what I've seen of Persona, uh, Fifteen. The trouble I have that kind of takes me out of it is I feel like I see the engine. Absolutely, I, I yeah. See yeah. the it's way it's textured. I was trying to figure out polygons. what my problem was. Like and it just feels like yeah. I'm in a in a set more than in a world. Whereas yeah. everything in Persona Five is just it's that style. It's like you are in that world. Well, completely. and the menus and the even the, the battle like menus and the numbers and stuff. Well, they the feel thing, like they're part yeah, of the that, world. Especially that thing at the end, like when you get all like your uh, your battle complete animation. Yeah. So. Can we talk about something real quick that they showed in this this fourth trailer that I don't know if you guys caught or not, but uh, probably not. They actually showed the the sort of victory screen. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you got it good. Uh, normally in a victory screen, it's the most boring thing ever. You never think yeah, about you, it, right? You it's mash just, through it. You mash through it. And you're like, okay, yeah, I gotta like, push like, yeah, yeah, things down or whatever right. I got. In this game, it's it's fully animated. Your character is moving around and doing things, and bubbles are popping up, and it feels exciting. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I just got like a hundred coins it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> but that's the thing about persona 5 and i think i i really that if i had to pin one thing that i think is going to make this game incredible it's not 
my love of Persona 4. It's not that I have a Chia Wall scroll on my wall. I really believe in my heart and soul. It's the fact that they are making every single second of that game feel exciting, right? If yeah. you go back to the first trailer where you had the vendors and they would like move around as you went through the different nests of the, the options, like style and yeah. like artistic cohesiveness is so important. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I don't... Well, there's this rhythm to the animation that's mirrored in a lot of different elements where you have that right. dash, stop, dash, stop, dash, stop. And it, that's in the victory screen. That's in the, the mechanic where you like sneak up on enemies to start the battle. Uh, it's even on the website. You know, yeah. It's, you know, they're, they're really doing a good job of keeping that consistent. I think, like, I mean, you said the word I was going to say, but, like, I think the one word that, that you could apply to any game that stands the test of time is style. Yeah. Like, if you make those choices, if, if your gameplay, your form, and your function are all married... And like everything matters and everything is thought out and cohesive and it doesn't like if you hit pause it doesn't just go to a screen you know that says like just white text or whatever but it has like character and it fits the world and like every every ounce of the game feels like the game and you know like all the great games throughout history are like that i think even the, the anime cutscenes like fit so well when it yeah. went from anime to game to anime it all flows and they're glorious yeah. oh I, I love that shot going into town in a helicopter gets yeah. me every yeah. time I'm gonna break down it's I'm like gonna break down Akira where it's just like Akira I love just like oh my god yeah sorry no you're you're, you're so right because yeah. I, I play a lot of JRPGs and Wait, you they, do? Yeah. <laughs> there, there are, a lot of them use anime cutscenes, and I get so mad because you get these gorgeous anime cutscenes, and then you get like these little chibi characters. Yeah. But it's not jarring here. They do, they, if you watch the trailers, they cut between both of them so much, and there's not a single moment where you're like, oh man, I wish, wish we were back with the anime. It just, yeah. it flows, and it syncs up in but a really But the cool thing way. is, like, they're, diff they're two different styles. Like, the animation looks like animation, and then the right. game looks like yeah. a game. But they still somehow mesh. Yes. It's not like it's not like a level five game where like the game looks like you're playing an anime, which is yeah. just beautiful. Like that's a different choice. They found a weird way to do it in Persona games that like shouldn't work, but it just does. And then I watched it in Japanese, so I didn't really know what they're they're saying all that time, but at all. But is there an English it, version? There's there's, there's, an, there's an English. Some I will post it in the description. There is a fan tr subtitled uh, version. Oh, okay. so oh, I but there is, there's this vibe of like high stakes. Yes. Everything feels, there's a sense of urgency to the entire tempo of the trailer and to what the characters are doing. They're, they're, they're running around. But it just felt like, so intense. Still super cool. About, yeah. Like, they're yeah. super cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> in the beginning when they're like, how long have you known about the shadow world or whatever? Yeah. He just smiles. He's yeah. covered in blood. He's yeah. just like, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I know about it. Um, you, you guys are, are getting uh, to the next point that I really want to talk about. I want to talk about video game marketing, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot. So let's talk very briefly about the uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare trailer. Too and soon. How, how atrocious that cover of Space Oddity is. Yeah. Yeah. It's soon. grating. It doesn't fit. It's like they just threw it in because they're like, oh, well, there's going to be space battles. Oh, he's dead. Let's throw that in there. Yeah, it just feels so well, the thing is, well, the thing is, is I think there's a sense that it, it, if you didn't know the song, it fits. But the problem is, is you do know the song. Like, how do you not but know it's, the it's song? But so it's an iconic song. That's what I it's mean. It's hard right. not yeah. to know. Everyone knows the song. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yeah. If, you're coming, <laughs> if you're coming from a place of tribute, like I'm sure they're going to say they were, oh, yeah, yeah. tribute to Bowie, then pay the extra money to get the real song. Right. Right. It just you know? feels exactly. Yeah. Also, if you're, tribute, if you're paying tribute 
get a good artist to do the music. It, like, if you're not going to do the real thing, get a band that's not Nickelback or whatever. It was bad. It <laughs> oh, was bad. mercy. So you, guys are, you guys are on point today. What are you going to yeah, sorry, not to get too yeah. far off track. But uh, even, I, I really think the Battlefield 1 trailer was excellent. We'll get to that in just a second. But it also had a cover. It also had a cover that didn't seem to fit and felt really forced well, just yeah. because it's, it was like a... Well, it wasn't a cover. It was Seven Nation Army, but it was like a remixed weird uh, version okay, of Seven Nation no, Army. Yeah. And I'm not sure why they included that song. No. But anyway, the reason... Sometimes juxtaposition pays off, but yeah. The reason why I wanted to talk about it is I feel like there have been, even, even the Doom trailers, which I have gone on record saying that I really think they're, they're not very good. Um, the Persona trailers have been excellent in every single regard. And what I mean by that is you, the, the music, the original music that you're hearing, which I think is a big deal. I love that original music. they have the balls to be like, no, our soundtrack is good. We don't need yeah, a shitty cover of Bowie. It is good. It's so excellent. <laughs> but the other thing is there's, there's, there's nothing filthy about it. It doesn't feel like these trailers were created by marketing people to appeal to the widest audience. I feel like they give you a glimpse of the world. They say the stakes feel high. We're going to show you the emotion of these characters. We're going to cue the music so it builds at just the right point. We're going to show you, like, the shots we're going to show you. We're going to reveal a lot, but also not reveal a lot. I realize that the trailer is in Japanese, but I, I watched it with subtitles. And you just kind of get a vague idea that makes you hungry to know more, but you don't feel like you're spoiled with anything. I I've watched seen... it without subtitles, and I'm like... I'm jazzed as hell. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I, I don't need to know what they're saying to know no. this is awesome. And it's not just with video games, right? Before this podcast, we were talking about Game of Thrones. If you don't watch Game of Thrones the night it's aired, you will oh, know yeah. everything immediately. Oh, yeah. And I, it's just this culture that we live in now where, where nothing is exciting. And I feel like, unless this changes in the coming months, the minute I put that Persona 5 disc in, they're going to take me on a ride that I have no idea. Everything is still going to be a surprise despite these four trailers coming out. And I think that is an art. I think that's a craft. I think that is doing wonders for the hype of this game. Why can't other people do this? Sorry for my long Passion. Trade. Passion. Vibes. Well, no, it's Vibes. crazy because Kojima with Metal Gear Solid 4 was incredible. You're right. Ride. You're okay. right. He... Did not spoil anything. There was mm. so much thought. No, trust me, Bloodworth. <laughs> don't even question this. Was not shown in the trailer before the game launched. It was after launch. Trailers came out after the game launched. Shadow Moses was not revealed prior to Metal Gear Solid 4. sounds like lunch. Yeah. Maybe it's just because I'm so hungry. I don't know. I, I remember that being a big deal when it was revealed. Uh, but you think about the Metal Gear Solid Five trailer. That's what I was gonna was gonna say. It was Metal Gear Solid Five. They showed every, they showed a cutscene from the entire game. Right, like, bits and, and pieces from all the way up from the beginning to the very end. I wonder. I, I knowing what we know now, I, I kind of feel like he was doing that intentionally. Yeah, he was to just be better. like, here's the good stuff. Don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> like screw Konami. Like I don't know. Maybe I don't. Know, that's conjectural. Uh, I'm going to ask a very loaded question. That's not a very good question, but I think I think you guys are intelligent enough to run with it and take it into fun places. Uh, we're obviously excited about Persona 5. We're obviously all going to play it. We, we believe in this game in a way I, that I don't think we believe in very many games so strongly. Do you think, just ignore Final Fantasy XV for just a second. Just take Persona 5 on its own. Way do ahead you, of you. Do you think? <laughs> do you think Persona Five has the capacity to strengthen the JRPG genre as a whole, revitalize it? And, I, and I'm not saying it needs to be revitalized, but 
Do you think this is the start of something greater? Do you think this is potentially a Final Fantasy VII moment for the series? Right, because... I, I think it... Like, I don't know. Like, to me, it's... it's Having only played 60% or, I don't know, 40% of 4 and intending to finish it. But I love that game. And, like, the vibes and the feel of it are so good. But, like, it seems like it's staying true to that feeling. Absolutely. Like, I anticipate, like living with a cool uncle or something and like having like cool relationships or what you know whatever or an aunt or whoever you know and like i think that it's it's staying true to the vibes and i i think it it, it falls in line with my sensibilities because the persona games feel like the cool indie movie that's like just dripping with style you know mm-hmm. like where it's like it's making the choice and it's going with it and then people tell you like yeah, hey, Seven Psychopaths, actually a pretty cool movie, or, you know, whatever. And then you're just like, no way. And then you watch it, and you're like, oh, yeah, this thing just stuck to its guns and is a fun little thing, you know? And, like, I think the problem I have, like, sort of like what he was saying about Final Fantasy XV, I mean, this is a drastic thing, but, like, I'm thinking about games like Call of Duty, and, like, Final Fantasy XV almost feels like a Call of Duty JRPG. Like, that's harsh. It's like, it's just, like, big budget... It has that gloss on it, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the, the choice is we're making this game look graphically good, and, and we want to have the gameplay be there. And I do think that this one will have, a, like, a more accessible story, and I'm, I'm excited for 15, like, and I didn't play 13 because it seemed just it's trash. inaccessible. But, like, uh, whereas Persona 5, like, it's making all the choices, and it's like, hey, we know that we ooze cool, and you're either on board or you're not. Mm-hmm. And, like, we know that you're going to get on board if your friends get on board. Like, word of mouth is the way that they know this is going to go. They're just like, we're just going to be here and be cool. And you know what? We'll be all right. Like, we don't need your money. Whereas 15 is like, it feels like they're trying to prove something. Like, we can get it back. We can do it again. You right. know? It's like it feels thirsty. It's like mm. it's like Eddie Redmayne, like trying to win that Oscar, you know, like... I love it when you said this. But it's just, like, it feels thirsty. And, mm-hmm. like, Persona 5 doesn't need to drink. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, it, I agree. It oozes cool. It drinks its own cool. I can't remember... I can't... I don't The really last game that seems asking, so confident. No, are you... Yeah. Wrong with Did it. that answer it? I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, in its own way. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Absolutely. scared. I'm scared. I got, what are you scared of? I'm scared... I'm scared that it's gonna be a 10. Uh-huh. Not a real like. Scared is gonna be incredible. A five star easy allies. Yeah. Review and people will dismiss it. I'm really scared. I think. What you know, What do you think the type of person will be that dismiss it? What, what Where do you think they're coming from? The like the 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 majority. Mm. I think it is a somewhat alienating game. It's this the Japanese style, the anime. You know, if you're not into anime, you're out. If you're not into like methodical turn-based games like a lot of like a slow-paced game you're out um i'm just scared i'm nervous it seems like they paced it up from from the trailers i don't know the, the only I'm, just, thing... I'm just scared because like people yeah someone that has no idea anything about jrpgs they've never played a final fantasy they've never played a persona final fantasy 15 has that legacy where I feel like someone could comfortably go into a store and, oh, Final Fantasy 15, I never played one of those. This is the time. Let's go. Right. Whereas Persona 5, they're going to be like, huh? What? Yeah. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm scared that, I'm scared it won't sell in America. Here's my thing, like, like, I think of Persona 5 the way I think about, like, a Jim Jarmusch movie, like, like, Only Lovers Left Alive, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect movie, amazing movie, just amazingly cool, super good movie. Most people who aren't, like, don't have their finger on that pulse just mm -hmm. haven't heard of it. Like, even P.T. Anderson movies, right. they don't make but, like, anything. But that's, like, okay, because yeah. that's just not the pool that it's trying to swim in, yeah. you know? Final Fantasy XV is, like, Prometheus or something, where mm -hmm. it's, like, a niche sci-fi movie, right? That is but, really interesting. But it's analogy. for everyone, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's, like you know, whoever, person X, who, like, doesn't always go to sci-fi, but, like, hey, why not? It's but it's cool. the Martian. Yeah. But it's, it's the Martian. It's, it's not even Interstellar. Interstellar was a little heady, but, like, yeah, it's it's the Martian. But it need Persona needs to make money. It needs... But it's, it's, I, I think, think it I will. Think, but that's the thing. I don't think that they do as much. Like, I think that Atla has, has been very smart yeah. all the way through about how much do our games cost and how much will they sell? I think they have a really like honed in on their audience, and so yeah, like I, I don't have any worries about Persona Five selling yeah. enough. Yeah. Whereas I think Final Fantasy Fifteen is, is like, oh, this has to sell because we spent yeah. so to sell much money on this. Yeah. We've got to market it out onto everything we can. Yeah. We got to make sure we get those like deep. Like what what is in there? Like the like the stoves. The Coleman stoves. Oh, Coleman stoves. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, even in the demo, all over the place. Yeah, so it's you know it like it's it's trying like really hard to hit that mass audience because it needs to make that money. It's a niche exploitation movie. But you spend fifteen grand and make a million because you know you will. I, th I think the barometer for success in video games is changing a lot, and and I don't think it's just oh man, we sold division numbers, or oh man, we sold uh, watchdog numbers, or oh man, we sold... I don't think that's the only way that you are extremely successful as a game anymore. And I think that is the approach that Final Fantasy is taking. Like, everything is big. Here's a movie with Jesse Pinkman and all the Game of Thrones characters. Like, it's just... It's just fuck... Wait, does that happen? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. about yeah, that. It's just, it's yeah, it's just going crazy, right? It's the big marketing push, everything. Whereas, you know, take something like Fire Emblem... Awakening or the the Birthright and Conquest where they just made a really really excellent game in sort of an underserved area right this, this really complex strategy game with dating elements that was so well done and had so much word-of-mouth That is extremely successful. They're going to make more Fire Emblem games uh, Brave the Default is the same way right that was something that almost didn't come out here that is now has a sequel that immediately was like yes we're gonna do this and I think that's the thing with Persona as well, whereas it may not have that big burst of success that Final Fantasy has. It may not get those storylines where it's, oh man, it's bigger than Avatar. It may not get yeah. that headline, right? But it's got legs. But it's got oh, legs. Yeah. And if if Persona 3 was a hit relatively and Persona 4 was a bigger hit and Persona 5 is a bigger hit, yeah. I think that gradual momentum yeah. might actually mean even more than whatever headlines Final Fantasy generates on this first day. I mean, day. it's like, yeah, I think that <clears throat> Atlas knows that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're that extremely they, smart. That's why I think maybe they're not worried about coming out because they know that everyone's going to get Final Fantasy 15, and this is maybe a harsh thing, but they're going to get Final Fantasy 15, either beat it or be done with it in a month. Yeah. And then they're not going to play it ever again. But then, like, 
five will like keep going and like people will tell their I friends. feel like we're being super harsh on 15. No, yeah, no, I'm excited I, for 15. Yeah, it's just like I'm more excited for five. Well. I want to curve some angry emails and comments. <laughs> I I am thrilled about Final Fantasy yeah. 15. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah. But I think it's important sense. to have these conversations. Yeah. I think it's important to compare and contrast. And I just, they're, they're approaching it at such a different 15, angle. 15 is, that, like, uh, is like winning a lump sum lottery. Yeah. And five is like winning the five grand a month lottery. Structured. Where you're just like, hey, all right, I'm set. You know? I mean, for Atlas and Square. And I yeah. guess the players, too. <laughs> I love you guys so much. <laughs> I have a lot more to say about Persona 5. I could talk about it all day. There are, there are elements shocked. that I wanted to talk about that we didn't bring up. But it's time for our... <laughs> We're talking about Nintendo. Uh, mm. And something that, that wasn't brought, brought up on the Easy Allies podcast. And I don't want to steal Kyle's thunder, but... Um, steal it. <laughs> they... <laughs> Nintendo, I think, is being a bigger, dumber elephant than they've been in a while. <laughs> Uh, and you know they, they came out. They came out and said that the NX isn't coming out until March of next year. They said that Zelda is going to be their focus at E3. Well, now they're coming out and saying that they're not going to have a direct at all. Really? That is insane. Yeah. That they're is not, they're insane. just not going to do anything at E3. Well, they're going to have. They're going to have play. Booth. They're going to. They're going to stream the game. They're going to have Treehouse streaming the game. Uh, Zelda. And then that's it. That's what they're gonna. That's what they're gonna do to the public. And then people but that come done, to the booth will play the game. They've done directs since Iwata died, right? They've yeah, done a couple. they've done, they've done yeah. a couple. Yeah. Okay, so that's not it. I, I had a I had a revelation today, and maybe this comparison isn't super on point, but I want to gauge your guys' thoughts on it, and maybe uh, spring the conversation forward. I think about Sony, okay, and I think about Sony before the PlayStation 4 came out, and they, they, they got humbled during the 360 generation. Which, whichever side of the fence you uh, come out on, I think Sony's arrogance during the PS3 generation definitely cost them. They had to play catch-up. They had to gradually improve over time. And when the PS4 was coming out, they fought tooth and nail. They really got in your face and made you believe in the PlayStation 4. At least they made a lot of people believe in the PlayStation 4. And they felt hungry. Whereas Microsoft maybe felt a little bit arrogant. Uh, I think that's what you need to sell people on a console these days. Uh, Nintendo, I now have put in the category of Half-Life 3. That's a bad category to be Where I do not care about anything that they do until I'm holding it in my hands, period. Nintendo's off my mind, it's off my radar. They've burned me too many times over the years where I sleep better now, just not thinking about them, not worrying about them. So be it, you do what you gotta do, Nintendo. When you hit me with a game, I'll be there day one. Until then, you don't exist. But is that really... <laughs> I like to literally think of you like trying to go to sleep at night and you just can't. Nintendo! You're, about Nintendo. you're like, ah! But, hold, hold on a second, I wanna, I wanna talk about this a little bit. That doesn't, that doesn't sound that bad, right? That doesn't sound like a bad way to live your life with mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. Where you just get this thing in your hand, you love it, day one. Yeah. You said you're gonna be there day one. That's like the best yeah. thing to yeah, do. So, yeah. Like forgetting about a TV show it and then takes being a like, while to get oh there. right, the whole is that there. Is that a criticism of Nintendo? I don't no, know. no, 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 no. Okay. Like, with Half-Life 3, I, 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 I guess I'm just at the point of acceptance that they're going to constantly let me down and not really do what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of just trained myself to be like, you know, when they come out with a game, though, when they come out with that Splatoon or 
that Zelda or that Mario or whatever it may be, a Metroid hopefully one day, uh, it's going to be legendary. It's gonna, like Tropical Freeze, you know, I was late to the party there, but you get stuff like Tropical Freeze that are just legendary games and in the meantime, it, they, they just stall. Let's, let's talk about that Nintendo conundrum that's stalling and the legendary yeah. games because I think mm -hmm. this is very important, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I want to bounce this off you specifically. So there are those games that live. We really like Splatoon. We yeah. think it's a great game. Yeah. We, we've gone, we've talked for hours about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, okay? <laughs> yeah. And Mario 3D World. There, mm -hmm. there are these Nintendo games that come out and Mario Maker. When there was a lot of enthusiasm for that. And um, when I think about these games like Bayonetta 2, I know Bayonetta they didn't make that, but... Uh, I think to myself, wow, Nintendo, when they do oftentimes come out with a game, yeah. it's, it's incredible. But I'm, I'm starting to feel like maybe that's not enough. And that, that's a weird thing to say, but in this day and age where, where so many games are competing for your attention, I, I feel like they'll come out with something that's amazing and my love will rise and then it will fall. Yeah. And so you, it just sort of averages out to nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the highs are so high, but I spend so much time in the lows so much that time. it's just they just completely cancel each other out. Yeah. And I think that's that's a problem. Yeah. I think that's gonna hurt them. However, my follow-up question to that is do you think there's a chance the NX will be so amazing that our frustrations, that our anger, that the lack of releases, <laughs> that the Wii U, that all of this nonsense will mean nothing in the end? I'm scared about the NX. Um I think you'd be wrong not to be scared coming off of the Wii U. Sure. Uh, even the Wii late in its life, you know, it kind of led into the Wii U's uh, slow output of great games. But the fact is, is that they, ah, see, they're at Nintendo, man. They've got us all. They've got me by the balls, man. It's like, yo, day one, Zelda, NX. What do you say to that? I actually haven't said that it's day one. Okay, well, close, okay? <laughs> within within a couple months, so be it. If that thing does if NX so, doesn't have that day one, they are yeah, screwed. It's gonna be day one. And it, and it's I'm a slave to that. When you're you when know? you're walking in the doors of E3 and you know Zelda is playable, what's the first thing that you're gonna go play? Zelda! Of course, because that get like like what you just said, and what we were saying is like an, when a great Nintendo game comes out, it's ahead of the curve, it's ahead of the pack, it's it's in a class of its own, you know? So. Here's, here's my thing, like, I feel like I've had Cassandra syndrome or something about Nintendo since the N64, but like, and I've said this before, but I feel like people are finally catching up to like how I've been looking at it, like, every time they put out a console, they limit themselves in some weird way, <laughs> you know? It's so ridiculous! It's very weird, like when everyone went discs, they stayed on cartridges. Yeah. When everyone went HD, they didn't go HD. The worst like, sin is, sorry to interrupt you, but the worst sin is having to have a dongle yeah. to have wired to have internet. internet. Yeah, like just every- I, I actually think friend codes are the worst Friend thing. codes like, are the God. worst. Like the entire setup of their network on the whole is like so weird and bad. And like the Wii U is like this weird unnecessary thing. And like they, they marketed it very poorly. So like, the NX is going to be like, there's going to be something that I think that I think that we could make like weird guesses and it wouldn't be weird enough. Like there's gonna right. be something <laughs> about it that just makes no sense that none of us could predict. Like 
you know, like you'll have to wear the foot strap or your pulse won't power the like the juicer. I don't know. Like there's gonna be some weird like thing that like holds it back, right? Oh, like the stupid foot strap. Yeah, oh, it won't run without the safety foot strap. They like, sold out of foot straps now. Yeah, I can't you have to buy them separately. On. Like um. no, but like every time they do something and like even their policy decisions and like their like clubs Every single thing Nintendo does, except for their main tier games, you know, mm. like the the famous four or whatever, like everything they do is just a bizarre bad choice. Can I uh, play devil's advocate with that opinion really quick? So let's think about the GameCube, which I would argue is probably the most traditional console they've ever made. They have tiny discs, so every game has to be on like four DVDs. No, that didn't, that didn't really happen. Like, didn't there really were a couple happen. of games that had Resident Evil discs, 4. But not more had than two discs. Yeah, two. And Resident Evil 1 had two. That's what I meant. But, but exactly. it wasn't two it wasn't discs. But I mean, ridiculous. there were PS1 games that actually had, right, had four, four discs. discs. Anyway, Xbox 360 games anyway, that had anyway, four anyway. discs. It was a weird style choice, is all the, I'm saying. Yeah, there was, like there was some weirdness. Let's, no let's be so. cute. Well, and the reason they did that, part of the reason they did that too, is because they didn't want it to be, like, and they said this with the Wii too, like, this is not an entertainment console, it's a video game console. Yeah. And, like, they backpedaled on that when they put Netflix on the Wii. But it's just, like, why make that choice? What do you gain by making that choice? But for the sake of argument, right, for all intents and purposes, the GameCube was the most traditional game console they've released uh, in, in the, like, the last three ones. The Wii was wild. The Wii yeah. U is wild in its own way. When you say GameCube, I just smile. The yeah, it's a, a great system. System. it's a great system, but, but it, it like is not Mario seen Sunshine. as a rousing success, right? It is not seen as, like, a... a a path for Nintendo to continue following. Well, and I mean, so, it's, it's because of the GameCube's sales that they did the Wii. Exactly, they exactly. traditional games were that's, dying off. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so you can see from their mindset as a company that they're conditioned to be like, no, we've, we've had the best success when we've just gone off and done our own thing. So how do you, how do you respond to that? Because I actually think it's a it, problem. I mean, it feels, it feels like they're three years in the past making decisions. It feels like it feels like the Nintendo and like it's not their fault. Like something happened in the time space continuum. Like Doctor <laughs> Who came by and accidentally screwed something up where the Nintendo headquarters building is in a pocket universe time bubble that exists 4 years ago. Except the one room where they make all the games is like somehow a year ahead. <laughs> I don't even I don't I don't really I don't have the love of Nintendo games that mm. everyone else does. Like mm. I think they're good, but I don't think that they're like god tier most of the time. Like I liked Twilight Princess, and I like, you know, I like Mario, but, like, yeah, it's just funny because, and I, th I really do, I really do think that it's because the company is kind of ruled by committee, so I think in, in a lot of situations that it's, and, like, in my own experience, too, like, when you've got companies that are more traditional, and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean that in, in, like, just Japanese way, I mean, like, even uh, American TV companies, like, when you're trying to deal with them, they're run, ruled by committee or ruled by fear, like, when 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 you're ruled by that kind of mentality, you can't iterate quickly, you can't take chances, and you don't take risks. And when you don't take risks, you don't have surprise hits, you know? Like Splatoon is like an amazing weird like fluke because it's like kind of out there and it paid off. I th I think the thing that's difficult for Nintendo to, to remember about Nintendo, and I'm guilty of this myself. Ian, I want to challenge you on something. Is there, I, I think when you like consider Nintendo as a whole, there's so much that's very easy to lash onto quickly and say, this is so frustrating. Why are they doing this? This is awful. Like Your mind just immediately jumps to that thing. But 
I, I actually think even during the Wii U era, there has been some weird strides in progressiveness that I think are worth praising and I would like to see them continue. I think Splatoon is one of those examples. But, but even the Nintendo Directs, right? I think Nintendo has single-handedly changed how video game companies are presenting themselves. Those have been so successful, so well yeah. done, so influential, right? It doesn't feel like it's coming from the same company. And so I definitely think they have these moments, like I think Mario Maker is one of those things, where where they have these these wonderful strides. And I think that's kind of what I was getting to when I was saying like it kind of cancels each other's out, where they'll do these incredible things and then yeah. mire themselves in all these terrible decisions. Yeah. And it's just being a Nintendo fan, I, I love Nintendo, everyone. Please <laughs> stop. I love Nintendo, but I it's it's hard, I think, to be a Nintendo fan. I think yeah. if the Wii U was my only console, it would be a frustrating experience. Well, the, the crazy thing with Nintendo Directs, and I do think they're a great idea, was because they didn't seem like a great idea at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were a good idea because they save Nintendo money. You can control it better. Like, you don't have some fan yelling something, or like you don't have weird technical problems with a demo breaking down, you know? Like, it's a better decision. And, yeah, now other people are kind of, not exactly, but kind of following in those footsteps. Absolutely. Like, that's the kind of decision-making that I think they need to continue making. And I hope that the NX is there. They're finally joining the game and forward-thinking. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think to me what, what kind of strikes me is the Nintendo dilemma is I feel like they act like they're not competing. Right. Like they You're don't, totally right. They don't have to compete. They're going to make their system their own way, and they're not going to learn from what the other platforms are doing. And, and that's the that's the crux of the problem, right? Because, you know, the Wii was, you know, like they, they nailed it. They nailed this idea that, like, hey, look, the broader audience yeah. doesn't really care about HD right now. It's not on their minds. Three years later, everyone had HD TVs because they got PS3s. Right, you know, and they to Blu-rays. Yeah, so it's yeah. like the it, it, so it's kind of like the same where it's like it's like Sony is leading this technology, and Nintendo's like, well, you know, when people actually have the technology, we'll we'll, we'll support that. Three years later, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's this, it's this, this strange conundrum, and 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 I think it's it's sort of the similar thing with um, you know with the the discs. It's like they looked at the pros and cons versus discs and it's like well why would people sit through a loading screen for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever but as we see now it's like people are waiting 45 minutes to two hours for their stupid game to install (laughs) so it's 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 these strange things that you know are good decisions in a way but when you have the competition out there and you see what the benefits the competition brings it's like well no Nintendo you're not the only ones doing this like it is so uh, so I think you know it, it's it's definitely strange I feel like right now there's this to me is there's this sense of we're not gonna know how well they're gonna make this next step mm-hmm. until they make it I like wait. I feel like everything so right excited. now is just this extension of the Wii U failure yeah. but the and longer that extension goes on the, the worse I think the consequences uh, well, no, I think it's almost more like they're just going dormant. Like, yeah. it's, it's just like, well, that's just not a thing, and we'll see when they do have a thing. I'm it's, I, I actually read this, uh, I, read, well, I read one comment that made a heck of a lot of sense, that like, Nintendo has to bring Zelda because otherwise they would like lose like that stake on that booth space. Uh. And so if they want to have it the next year, 
than they need to have it when this they year. Actually have stuff to that show makes up. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. that um, sounds makes sense. Salient comment. And uh, and the, and the <laughs> other thing, I read an article uh, going back to installing games as to this weird rumor going around that like it'll be cartridge based again, which just seems so stupid. That would be, be awesome. amazing. But the thing is, <laughs> so when you look, and it would be stupid. But, yeah. but here's the thing. <laughs> When you look at like what, what discs hold and how slow discs spin and all this stuff and you compare it to like where flash memory is heading, yeah. it almost starts to make sense that like, oh I maybe mean, like, you do need cartridges. The 3DS back. is cartridge-based if you think about it. Like it's a solid state. Yeah. Maybe like, that is what the next step is. What it should be is just SD cards. Because that's the whole reason, you know, like Microsoft just kinda go digital and make the discs a delivery system because like, yeah. man, we just need this on the hard drive for yeah. For it to be fast enough, dude. If it's SD cards, that'd actually be pretty amazing. You could fit way and more on it. And that would make more it. sense for the handheld and If it's console. combo, yeah, oh yeah. my god! If the NX should use SD cards, you know, cards, I, that's I, genius. I said it was stupid, but you guys immediately made me feel like an idiot for saying. And, that. and they really could. I think that I also think this is about 3DS things because we're using way too much plastic as a species. Yeah. We're destroying this planet. Like you could have smaller cases, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's about shelf space and yeah, and people you need to advertise. And, yeah. yeah, but I mean, uh, just put a cardboard thing behind it, do it like a, you know, whatever. what what <laughs> I what I believe in my heart of hearts though is, I think Nintendo is a position that Sony has never really been in. I feel like Microsoft has never really been in. Where let's let's talk about the the next Zelda just very briefly, right? If we go to E three. It and, should have like five slots and, too. And that and and the, the headlines coming out of that and the impressions are this this is the greatest Zelda that's ever been. They're doing so many new things. It's crazily ambitious, right? It feels like a Mario 64 or an Ocarina of Time all over again. If there is that kind of enthusiasm for that game, none of this will matter. Like that will carry them mm -hmm. well beyond the next release date. My and that's that's the thing about Nintendo, is I feel like those games have that kind of clout that they can get away with a lot of things other companies couldn't get away with. And they have with. a truckload of money. They They're do. fine. That's the thing. They're fine. They're fine. But, like, do you, do you want to know my worry? Yeah. I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I'm thinking through, like, 3D Nintendo games in my brain right now. And, like, yeah, a lot of them have, like, nonlinear pathing, but it's not open world per se. Yeah, this is like, absolutely not. This is, this is like... Motherland Nintendo's first like straight up open world game, isn't it? Mm, I mean, Xenoblade's pretty open world. Xenoblade is pretty open world, but that's that's Monolith stuff. You know, that's not yeah. Nintendo proper. Well, so. I mean, right. They are Nintendo proper now. But. Y well, right, but they, they yeah. brought a team on. But right. I mean, that's but that's that's the thing though, because they are Nintendo proper. Like, they could be like there could be people from that team. That's a good point. Zelda that's games. that's a good Maybe point. But, but I mean, like, I just wonder, like. But the thing I'm is, I'm a little is worried like, that this Zelda will have growing pains. You know, Mario 64 was was one of the right. first 3D platformers. Right, and know, they nailed it. And they nailed it. <laughs> uh, uh, Ocarina of Time was the first 3D Zelda. So I don't, I don't know. I will say that I think a lot of Japanese games struggle with the open world format. Um, it there there are not a ton of great like even Xenoblade, which I think is really cool and unique. There are aspects of that open world that feel lacking, that yeah. feel outdated, that could be uh, modernized in some interesting ways. I wouldn't even aren't. really call Yakuza like open world. I mean, right. You want to do a couple big towns, but it's not right. really... Think about, like, there's there's a difference between too. being big and yeah. wide open, and I think open world right. in the way that we understand it. Because like Dragon's Dogma is like right. open world, but really it's just four towns, mm -hmm. and you go in a like a 
back and forth motion, and you can yeah. go everywhere else. Sometimes I get worried to. that the the Eastern interpretation of open world is big spaces with mobs in them, right? Yeah. Which is not really how I uh, like be see between those two towns. Yeah. Right. Well, and and the other you know concern with that you know potentially is that you know the Zelda and Metroid games pretty you know pretty similar in their design that. They're pretty open and letting you go in a lot of directions, but they're also extremely tightly designed. Focused, yeah. yeah. So that, you know, pretty much anything that you see, there's there's a reason for it being there. Whereas, as you're saying, like a lot of open world games, especially Japanese open worlds, is like, here's a big space with <laughs> right. some hills in it, you know? And right. I mean, if it works, if, it, if this Zelda works the way um, that the earlier Zeldas worked, where... The open world is really kind of the overworld map, and you're getting between the... I mean, Twilight Princess is kind of like that, too, but, like... And you're getting between the seven dungeons, you know, and stuff right. like that. Like, if they still keep that, but it's, like, you can go in any order, like, there are ways that it could be really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been the comparisons that Onimus made. It's been the, the original Zelda and then Link Between Worlds as, you know, what to expect from that. So, so that'll be cool. Then it's yeah. not really open world. It's just, right. like... I mean, I guess they were open world before that term was really around. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to be that guy because I think these comparisons are lazy, but I think there is a point to be had here. Right? A lot of people call Dark Souls open world, and I don't, I don't really think of that it, that way. I just the way I view Dark Souls is you have a bunch of very intricately designed spaces stitched together in an interesting way. Yeah. It is not like one continuous space. It is separate spaces that are melded together. Well, and if you're paying attention to context clues, like right. Dark Souls is a linear game. Right, like right. Like if you, if you understand that you shouldn't just beat your head against skeletons you can't kill and go somewhere else. But it's a linear <laughs> game that doesn't feel limited. Right. Right. It, it's uh, a it allows for, style. Right. It allows for creativity. And that's, that's, that's to me how the best Zeldas have always felt. And that's the feeling that I want recaptured. I don't mean to cut you guys off. Yeah. You're all wonderful, beautiful people. I love you dearly. But it is time to move on to reader emails. And I'm very excited about it. Different panel this week, different responses. Let's get right into it. I have to do that awkward thing where I have to put my passcode into my iPad, so I have to stall for time. And I have to close the YouTube channel of the of Persona soundtrack Persona that I've been listening to. Have they Whoops. put out the entire Persona 5? Ten tracks. So I don't uh, know how this this guy, this YouTube channel, got these tracks. I don't know where they came from. It looks official to me. Good, you shady. got, you're doing God's Backdoor work. Backdoor shady deals. Yeah. Uh, let me, let leaks. me pull the emails. So shady jealous. leaks. If it's not official, then they probably are just sitting somewhere in the website and they just pulled them all individually. I've done yeah. that before. Ooh. Whoa, Cybersmooth Bloods. Meet Hacksaws over here. <laughs> Our first question. Spelled, spelled with a I like one this guy. six and two zeros. I like this guy's name. It sounds very powerful. His name is Robert Lee Phillips. Whoa. Probably shouldn't say his full name. Our first question comes in from Robert. He says, hello, <laughs> Ben. Hello, guys. My question. Do you have a particular game franchise that you wish we get back to its roots? For me, and probably right. Huber too, it's Resident Evil. Oh yeah. Even though, although I really like Resident Evil 4 and its game mechanics, I would absolutely love a classic Resident Evil with tank controls, fixed camera angles, and item management. Because for me, those aspects are just as important as lower story and characters. My soulmate. You guys are great. I'm really glad you're back in action. Greetings from Germany. So you, I don't, yeah, I don't need to say he's <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, Blood, is there a game that you would like to see get back to? Oh, uh, I'm trying to think. I haven't got something off the top of my head just yet. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's kind of a tough question. I mean, Metroid was the first one that came to my mind. Then him talking about, I mean, Silent Hill. That was going to be my Hill. answer. Yeah, it took yeah. the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah, like there was hope. 
but it was almost too scary <laughs> for, right. for baby Ian. It's, it's at this weird point with Silent Hill where they had really amazing, awesome ideas that they could have built on that they killed that now I just want a straight-up Silent Hill game, yeah. you know what I mean? Like fixed camera um, angles and everything. That's kind of where I'm at. Another thing that I, I'm curious to see what you guys think is I don't think you have the same affinity for this series as I do, but Dragon Age. Uh, I think Dragon Age Oof. Origins is still the best one in that series, and I think it's the most sort of traditional CRPG game. It's a hell of a game. It is a hell of a game, and I think... What happened with 2? Yeah, and, two, and, and even with uh, Inquisition, like, it's a, it's a good game, but I, I feel like that series is kind of meandering mm -hmm. in a way that I, I'm not really into. Yeah, it, it should be like Elder practice. Scrolls level, and I feel like it's kind of just... Right. Well, because it, it was. I feel like yeah. Dragon Age Origins came out, and they're like, whoa, this is a big deal. It's yeah. like a fantasy Mass Effect. Um, and I just, I just don't think it has the same clout. I, I think that's its weakness, honestly, is that it's a fantasy Mass Effect, you know? Because it but, felt like it felt like yeah. it was just a reskin to me. I mean, I know they're different. But I like, think the story and the characters and the combat were all strong enough, though, that it yeah. like it withstood that comparison. To be fair, I only played like six hours of Origins. There you go. So, there you go. Our next question, longtime fan, uh, from Brian. He says, hey guys. Brian. I hope you're all well. So a little over a week ago, I had what I would probably call my happiest slash proudest moment ever while gaming. It didn't come from a scripted moment, but rather through something I had achieved myself. You know that feeling when you beat a boss that was giving you trouble in Dark Souls? This felt like that multiplied by 100. Whoa. It was a genuine stand up and scream moment, a punch in the air and bang the desk so hard you hurt your hand low. I love his description here. <laughs> if there's ever a time I almost flipped a table, this was probably it. Hell, there may have been embarrassing celebratory dancing. Who can say? I wish he would have said the moment. I really want to okay. know what the yeah, moment. I really want to know the moment. Oh, it's too bad. Uh, I so really know something like we're not, we don't know the moment. 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 Probably like a good dating sim. Let's hope it's hyper like drifter. So anyway, this got me curious. If you guys ever had a moment like this, Waltz gaming, and what was it? Or maybe a better way of putting it be, what would be your happiest slash proudest moment while playing a game? These are tough questions to answer. That's a tough question. I gotta like, yeah. Ooh, we got it. Um, we were playing a friendly game of StarCraft Brood War. Mm -hmm. It was like a four on four. And I used to be really obsessed with nukes. And I had, all I had was my, my one ghost and my nuke, right? And it was like this massive battle one of my enemy friend, the friend on the other team, he made a bunch of dragoons, and he just came in. Right, it was like bat, like one person comes in, another person comes in, person, person, person. This massive battle, and the dragoons come, and they're gonna like just take over everything. And I nuked, dude, right <laughs> there. Nuclear launch detected, and there's always that wait before that nuke nuke comes. It's like a 15 second waiting moment. Comes down, kills him. We come in and win. Mm. That's incredible. When the nuke came down, screaming at the top of my lungs. Hey. I'll never forget hey. it. I'll never forget Let's play StarCraft. <laughs> but That's awesome. The That's reason really I always moment. remember it is because it's the one time a nuked work out of like 800. Yeah, nukes tries. never work. Yeah, yeah. never work. It's the one time. Um, <laughs> my personal proudest moment, I'll just go through this very quickly. Uh, in high school, I had a group of friends that I would go to land centers with, and we would play. Dota or We've Warcraft 3 or whatever it was and they played a lot more Dota than me and they were always better and they were they were really my group of friends in high school they were kind of a bunch of jerks and they would like rub <laughs> victories in your face yeah. in like a really aggressive way I think this is where BM Ben mm -hmm. was born gestated um, 
But I was getting really into Counter-Strike. And Counter-Strike is a, was a very formative game for me because it was one of the first competitive games that I played, and it was the first game where I was like, holy cow, I am, I am ass at this game. Yeah. And I had to play for hours so every single day after school, <laughs> and just, it took me months. It probably took me three to months to get mediocre. Did you listen to your own custom music when you played? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slipknot, yep. Anyway. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I... It took me months, three months before I felt like I was getting positive KD ratios in Counter-Strike. It was a game like, like, you just had to grind it out. And I remember going to a LAN party with them and they were like, oh, let's play Counter-Strike. I didn't die to them. Yes. I didn't <laughs> die a single time. Right. And they like it was the first time with that group of friends at that LAN center where like I was the king. Right. And like, oh, it was, just, it was just such a proud moment for me. It did so much. It was really cool. Um, I don't know if it's proudest or anything like that, but definitely it's when I felt that emotion was uh, just, I mean, recently it was uh, with The Witness, with the, yeah. the final Endgame challenge. And mm -hmm. Oh my God, yeah. Oh my God. Without music, the only time there's music in the game, and it's like, it's a, it's a timer. Um, just realizing that, too, you're just yeah, like, yeah. oh. And <laughs> it's just, but it was, it was crazy because it's, you know, like there are certain things that you can figure out, there's certain elements to figure out there, but a lot of it is just really be, because it's all those puzzles are randomized. It's just like you just have to get to know how those puzzles work so that you can get in there and like, I recognize the solution. Next puzzle. I recognize this. Next. You know, it's just like wow. Or like identifying which ones can't be done like quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and it and and it was funny because I got to that like the night before I was supposed to leave for the wedding. Nice. And so oh, I'm man. like just pounding like I got. I, I'm right at the end. I've got to finish this before I leave. I've got to yeah. do it. And I didn't. And no. so then, it's like a month later that I come back and I have to jump back into that moment and, and try. Did you again. think about the witness during, during your, your wedding? wedding? <laughs> uh, not during the wedding itself. I was just going to okay. say, I was just, yeah, sure. But, but I mean, like, yeah. but like you, it's like, it's like I, still see the, I still see symbols in places. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so once I finally, finally got it, and it was just, just like nailed it, I was like, oh, thank goodness. So good, such a huge sense of relief. Or you could just be that like Bossman and he's a guide. Yeah. You can't, you can't guide you that. Can't that's guide the thing, that there's That's no way to guide that. Bossman will never do this in his entire life. He's well, never he done it. it. He did platinum it. Did he? He somehow yeah. did that. Oh, he, oh yeah, no, he it's... told me he just beat his head against the wall. Uh, yeah. And do you, um, can you watch it on YouTube and like Well, yeah, I mean, that was, I Some parts of it you'll get, but you still have to, you still have to be good. So at least he did some. Yeah. Yeah, he did awesome. that part. You have to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. The way my memory works, I just remember like general tapestries of feeling throughout my life, and I don't remember specific. <laughs> the most thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't remember specific moments until someone else goes. My life like, is oh, just he... a tapestry of feelings. Yeah. Well, I, I don't dwell. I know I love it. But I love like, it. I do. Until someone says like, "Oh, remember when we were doing that thing?" And then I'm like, "Oh, yes." And then I remember like picture perfect every second of it. Mm -hmm. But until then, so every time people are like, "What's at this moment?" <laughs> but I mean, just like I mean, like thinking about times I've like jumped up and yelled. Like I mean, obviously many like bosses and Dark Souls yeah. and and Bloodborne. When we were trying to get the platinum in Bloodborne, and I was fighting that. Uh, Firehound or whatever in the mm. cursed oh chalice. Oh my god, that Oh boss. my god. Oh. When I finally got him. First try. Oh gosh. The really? first one? First try on first that try. thing? Watchdog of the Old Lords. 
Brad and I would sing that music every day. We sang for like three months. I was over It's like this crescendo epic. Dude, like 50 tries. And then, yeah, I mean, but the the times in games where they're more like subtle, satisfactory moments are in like puzzle games when like... Talos Principle are those where you really feel like you've thought outside the box and done something really smart and like even like maybe broken the game kind of like done it in a way that you probably shouldn't have done it. Like those moments are really, really something. You guys are, you guys are on fire today and I am sorry to cut this short. This is going to be the last email. We are running out of space on the card. These are, I want you to know where we're coming from. I want to be straightforward and honest with you. So we kind of have to uh, cut this a little bit short. So this is going to be our last email. You've been wonderful. So, so long and you're apologizing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me sorry. tell you about We're my running apology. Out of time. We're running out of time. We can't to talk. keep going. Yeah. So like, is it midnight time. yet? <laughs> our, uh, our last email comes from oh, Tim O'Keefe or Kefe? I'm going to say Kefe because I think that's it. I thought you weren't saying their name. I know. Keefe. I, I think that's Tim O'Keefe. Nope. Kefe? Okay. Yep. Tim O'Coffee. Hi, I'm not supposed to say your whole name. I'm, I apologize. Hey, allies. Wow. I was wondering what you think about difficulty in games. I find it really frustrating when an additional difficulty just adds or removes enemies or ten- turns enemies into bullet, sponge- bullet sponges. Alien Isolation and The Last of Us are two good examples of an interesting difficulty. Yeah. In Isolation, the harder difficulties, on the harder difficulties, the closer the alien will be to you. On Grounded Mode in The Last of Us, they remove your listen mode and make items even scarcer. I find these changes make replaying games more interesting instead of a slog. My question is, what game design decisions would you make for different difficulties to make them more interesting and therefore more enjoyable to players? I mean, for, oh sorry. I was just gonna say like, I like games that are just the game. Mm-hmm. And they don't have difficulties, you know, sure. like Dark Souls or whatever, because then then it's just we thought this out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I kind of agree to that to an extent. Where it's like, yeah, I prefer like normal should be how it's intended, and then right. above that should be the higher challenges for you know for whatever. freakazoids. But I don't yeah. feel like that's the case anymore. I feel like no. normal hard is, is so now the normal. Hard isn't the new normal. I mean, they um, definitely that way for certain incorrect. developers like like Halo. They want you to play on hard, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean I, I'm gonna go back to a classic because I still love this. Is is Goldeneye? Mm. When you bump up the oh difficulty, God, like Goldeneye. there is more to do in that game. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I was like, okay, you can be a tourist and you can you can play it at a, a lower lower setting, but you really want to like work your way up to get mm-hmm. to the higher difficulty and try to do everything that the game has to offer. What I, I agree what with, I wish. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. What I wish more JRPGs would do is, I, I, I like grinding in JRPGs. Sometimes I like just brute forcing my way through a, a situation. But I think my most memorable moments with battles in JRPGs are when I was underleveled and I either had to think of a creative solution or I had to just like play perfectly. Like every single turn I really had to think about what I was doing to overcome a boss. And I think it would be neat if more JRPGs put like caps where they're like, okay, on this higher difficulty, this is as high of a level as you can get at this point, and it will mean that you have to play perfectly during the boss fight. I think kind of those limitations uh, would be fun to think, play around with. I, I agree with, with uh, Tim, right? Yeah. I, I agree yeah. Uh, because uh, any artificial like like padding of difficulty like that where you just add people or make money more scarce or whatever, like yeah. that's that's... It's, it feels artificial. It's not thought out. It's just a numbers game, you know? Yeah. But, like, things things like that where it's, like, like Dark Souls with New Game Plus. Like, after, like, the third plus, mm-hmm. you don't get any better. 
Like, your, your stats don't make a difference anymore. You just have to... Like, the game gets harder every plus up until 7 or something. Or, like, but like uh, Dark Souls 2 and added enemies. Yeah. Dark Souls 2 is cool because they shifted things around and, like... And it got uh, shifted around, like changed up, and that was cool. And it was new things to experience too. But yeah, I forgot what I was gonna say. But you yeah. know, with Alien and Last of Us, um, yeah. I also think of God of War of all games. I just like having to play a game differently on harder mode. Uh, normal, you just square, square, triangle your whole way through. And on God mode. You have to block, you have to roll. You have to use different weapons. You have to use different weapons. You have to stay on your toes the entire game, and I really like that. And, and it's not like bullet sponge enemies just take a bunch more hits. It's like, you just gotta be alert. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, big when, boss extreme when could, mode. When you could play where like you can't, like my friend would, my friend and I would do, uh, I would do non-lethal runs, and then he would do uh, no alerts runs. Yeah, so, mm. so hard. So, <laughs> so hard. So crazy. Yeah, anyway. Guys, I don't mean to uh, speak too soon, but this is probably my favorite episode of Frame Trap. You say that every time. You say that every time. Do I say that every time? That's good. So. That's good. Everyone yeah. should be... I honestly don't know that I say that every time. Everyone should be so Okay. Well, I think you guys uh, really had some insightful things to say. The conversations were fun. People got passionate. You all got into it. And you all really thought about your answers. And that's... That's the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to have like broader avenues to to kind of like grow these conversations and really really go crazy. I'm sorry we had to cut this a little bit short, but if you stuck around with us for this long, thank you it's all the for watching. Episode. It's a very long episode. You guys it's always special. say you want it longer. The longest it, one Brandon done is so special. Far. Yeah, special. Call it a special. The no. persona special. The persona special. <laughs> Uh, Anything with Persona. I'm actually special. going to say promotional things because I'm supposed to do that and I never do that. Oh. Uh, if you want to reach us, if you want to ask a question for our <laughs> illustrious panel, uh, please email askeasyallies at gmail.com. No spider pictures, please. Uh, Whoa, I didn't know we had that. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of people don't know we have that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you'd like to find out more about us or if you'd like to support us directly, go to uh, just Google Easy Allies Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash Easy Allies. Thank you, Bloodworth. Pretty much uh, everything is slash Easy Allies. Slash Easy Allies. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Easy Allies. And we stream every weekday at twitch.tv slash Easy Allies. Uh, really quickly, if you would like to all plug your personal Twitter, go ahead. Um, just at Ian Hink. At DayBloodworth2. At Michael P. Huber. And I am at Best GA Fan. Um, so thank you again for watching, and I will see not you your Twitter. next week. Or not, no, two weeks from now. Uh. <laughs> they almost got you. Can you imagine how batshit insanely incredible The Witcher 4 is going to be? Yeah, I can. You know what, you know, game legit looks better than The Witcher 3, though? Persona 5. Persona 5. Persona 5. <laughs> Guys, PS3 compromise. It's I feel I feel like I'm in a difficult position because I like I think a lot of times I get written off as the persona guy. Like oh of course he loves it. Oh of course he's gushing about it. But like I really like to my core think this is going to be like a landmark video game. Like if mm -hmm. you remove all of the that, fan service, all that shit. Like yeah. I think this is just going to be. I think 15. There's, could there's be like nothing wrong with there's nothing be. wrong with being a be. quality thing guy. Right. The question right. is, like if you're the quality thing guy, I think that's all right. Blue Witcher three raised the bar so high. <laughs> you really you raised my hopes. Blue and then dashed yeah, on the rocks of the Witcher, Witcher three raised the bar so high for like open world. 
But this is it running right a different race, I think. Wait, are we? No, yeah, because it's not an open world. No, no, no. For 15. Oh, I see. I thought we were uh, back it, in. It is going to be hard not to compare 15 to The Witcher 3 in terms of character emotion and just like living life. This is some good material. In that world. We lost some good uh, material here. <laughs> bonus bits. D yeah. Get the DVD, the frame trap DVD. I, I, yeah, I don't think. It's going to be really At hard. the same time, I don't think there will be that much comparison between the two. I, I think there will be more comparison when Mass Effect comes around. I would give anything for a Frame Trap DVD that yes. has Japanese subtitles. <laughs> That's what I want. I mean, BioWare Bio staff like have like actually <laughs> said that they're you know they're challenged to step it up <laughs> to what Witcher did. If I can't play Persona Five and Final Fantasy Fifteen in Japanese, I'm not playing them all at all. <laughs> You're not going to be able That's to play Persona Five in Japanese. Then I'm not playing. Yes, you okay. are. Nope. Yes, you are, dude. No, dude. The voice acting was really it good. Don't matter, be a dude. Dumbass. It's like the the voice when acting. You watch a the fucking, voice acting in the English version. When you watch a fucking so Japanese good. movie with in English <laughs> English dub, like no, you're Cowboy Bebop. Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. No. Sometimes Not the dub is okay. Sometimes the, the dub is good. Sometimes the dub is okay. It's honestly no. You're, just you're telling me you're not you're going to play purest Persona right Five. Now. I played four, and it's ten out of ten. One of the most legendary. You're being a dumb purist idiot. And you're gonna play five. Stop being a dumbass. I will, but you better have Japanese. It's just there. Alice. Alice is really bad about that. I want you to know that going in, Alice doesn't do that. They just don't do it. So I don't want you to have expectations for Japanese video. You don't. Care. It's like heart. You don't really care. I do no. immensely. I almost didn't play four. It was really hard for me to get into four. But dude, dude, I think the, I think the dub. It's I think the dub is culture, dude. I think it's the a dub Japanese is exceptional. Where you're Japanese people right, in Japan. Right. But if you're Japanese, you can show. speak Japanese. So it's like, reading a thing takes you out of it. I, I, I just, want the intended I, original The intended original, the intended original thing is you don't have to read a bunch of subtitles to understand what's I like happening. I, I really I think subtitles. Atlas knocks out of the part with their localization. I think the localization of Persona 4 is It's great. And the great. dub is very, Persona very good. It's still not, was so good. it's still not authentic. Period. It lacks authenticity to me. It's made by the people who made it. There's still... A knock of authenticity off it for me. I will say just, I don't. I don't, know. I don't think is. a lot of the English voice actors for Final Fantasy 15 are very good. Which, which in that case, if the dub is going to be worse than the Japanese VO, then it's frustrating not having that option. It is. It is. I need it. It is I frustrating. Want it. Like I watching understand. that trailer too. Like Japanese. It's a Japanese game. Watching fucking anime. I will say, <laughs> like, watching the trailers in Japanese, everything clicked. Right. Like yeah. those voices fit They're the tone. They're so good because they were designed for those voices. Yes. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from. Right, but if they it. cast the voices properly, like none of the voices stood out to me in four as being wrong. They were good. They're, I like it. They're, the they dub were. Is great. They Monica? were very good. Break my heart. The dub is great. Come on. The dub is great. Hundred no, percent. It's great. But oh, I hope. I just I hope, man. I really hope. I just remember that you read all the dialogue in Persona games. But whatever. Just think about like movies. Mm -hmm. I wonder. You know, you bring up a really good point. I wonder. Are we recording? Oh god. This is part of it. We're in it. We're back. <laughs> uh, you bring up a really good point about Persona Five. I wonder it, how much of that game is going to be VO. Like, I wonder if it's going to feel a lot like Persona Four, where it's just a lot of key moments are VO'd. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think I hope the whole thing is VO. PS3 You're resting a coffee cup on an iPad and it's making me crazy. I make a lot of bad decisions in my yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs>